0: dum 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 and we're live. Unfortunately, Mauro Rinaldo uh is is deathly ill and he cannot make it here. But the great boss Ruten. Boom! Basito. Yes. El Guapo. Yes. Is here. Former UFC heavyweight champion and uh your friend Kevin Randleman. Unfortunately, the guy you won the title from uh passed away recently. Yeah, that's, that was sad, huh?
1: Yeah, the conspiracy theory was all, already on I saw online because he didn't uh, Morrow didn't do WWE yesterday evening, so they said he was at the funeral of Kevin Reynoldman. I said no, that's not true. He's uh, he's re- he's really sick at home. But yeah, that was the that was the craziest news. We found out after we just did our podcast. Yeah. And then we went online and um,
0: what did Morrow go he got sick? He got sick, pneumonia, and then his heart gave <coughs> out. They couldn't, couldn't revive him. Well, he had staph infection worse than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Did you ever see some of the pictures? You know,
1: you know what I said to people? If you if you use smokeless tobacco, you know, that little box, you could literally put in that hole that he had in his chest. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. It well, was
0: insane. Well, we'll show the picture. Jamie, see if you can find the picture. Kevin Randleman, staph infection. I, re- I I never knew that it could get this bad. But it, he had holes in his body where you could look in and you'd see all the tissue and the tendons. tendons and yep. I mean, it's it just incredible. Did you see it there, <coughs> Jamie? I mean, I'm talking like a fist-size hole. It was crazy. You know, this th- This guy survived there everything as well. Look, look at, at this. Look at that. Oof. It's just incredible. I just don't... And he fought after this, too, by the way. Yeah. He got that insane. fixed up and he fought afterwards. But... When your body is that compromised from something like that, um, I'm, I'm assuming that was MRSA, with the uh, medication-resistant sap infection. That stuff is real dangerous, and people die from it all the time. Look at his leg, too. Look how swollen his ankle and his foot is. Oh, my God. Very scary. Oh, God. And Kevin Renaman in his prime, I mean, what a stud, what a specimen that guy was. To see him uh, that compromised... I mean, I don't know if he just ignored it and it just kept getting worse and worse. I don't don't know what happened.
1: I don't know either, you know, but I I have the feeling that it's like with all the fighters, they were pretty much the same. You're probably the same as well. You know, you have something, you feel bad, you know, your lungs, oh, everything is hurting. Whatever, man. You know, I'll take care of that tomorrow once it gets worse. Not realizing because we're pushing all the limits all the time that at the moment you're feeling it's probably really bad already. You should check it out. But, you know, just push it away. Let's get rid of my let's do my work first and yeah. then uh,
0: we'll take care of that later that was too late that's that's the feeling i have that that is a problem with mental <gasps> toughness and some fighters, they just keep pushing through injuries. And I've always suspected that that might be the case with Kane, why Kane keeps getting injured over and over again. And now, that, you know, he's starting to get some serious injuries where he's had back surgery now, both shoulder surgery, knee surgery. I mean, this is a guy in his prime. I mean, yeah. I think Kane is only like 33 or something like that, right?
1: He should be regenerating like, like this, like nothing yeah.
0: As a heavyweight, that's your prime. The early 30s for heavyweights are generally when they really come into their own. And to see him constantly injured, I've always suspected it's just his mental toughness is almost like a burden because he pushes through everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Weidman, I think the same thing with his knees. He's had some serious knee problems. It's because they, you know, they have the problem, they just go fuck it. Let's just keep going, and they can. Block out pain in a way that you know, most people they get a serious knee injury. They were boy I got to go to the doctor got to get this checked out not when you're in the middle of camp and you're defending your title You, you fucking keep pushing through it.
1: Yeah I'm, I'm telling all my students now because I used to be exactly like all the other guys I say, if you have an injury and the doctor tells you, take two months off, take four months off. That's my advice now. Yeah. Take double the amount of. Everybody does the opposite. Two months mm-hmm. becomes one month or three weeks. Yeah. Don't do
0: that because later in life, like with what happened with me, it will backfire for you. It's such a good piece of advice right there because so many guys, uh, especially ACL surgeries, how many times have we seen guys get their, their knee reconstructed and then they try to get back on the mat too quick and pop. Bumps again. The new knee blows out again, and you're looking at another six to nine months. It's so so. Look at common. Dominic Cruz.
1: Also, mm-hmm. Benji Radak. He had like also like yep. an, uh, from a corpse, from an illegal corpse. He had something in his knee. An illegal corpse. Yeah, oh, they had the FBI. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, illegally obtained. It was. Uh, he got a letter from the FBI. He Almost lost his leg, and then he, he had this. He we went to dinner with him one time. He had a machine on him. That filtered his blood everywhere he went. He got this crazy infection, and then years later he gets a letter from the FBI, and it was a guy who was illegally uh, handled in uh, in donors in uh, in in whatever they need for knees and for for everything like organs, and they found that guy. Yeah, and it was from a cadaver that was infected, and that's why he had all that problem. Yeah, holy shit! It was
0: really crazy. Did he get a discount or something like that? that (laughs) Yeah, maybe later. You know, just write it down. Rain check for if the other knee happens. Benji Raddick is a guy a lot of people forgot about. He's a fucking talented guy. You know, Very I was talented.
1: I, I at the time when was and they called me crazy when Anderson Silva was at the peak of his career. I said if I have six months with Benji. And he would listen to me because sometimes he gets that ego that, oh, I can strike with him. No, you know, you don't need to. Take him down, then strike him, you know, because mm-hmm. he would knock people out with one punch. This guy hit so hard, he would hurt my hands on the focus mitts. Wow. I'm as the craziest power he has. And I, I tell, I'm telling you, his wrestling was so good, he would just take him down and just beat him up. I guarantee you that. that that's how powerful he was.
0: Wow. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't realize their potential. And Benji Raddick was one of those guys that people would always talk about in the gym. You know, yep. they say, like, boy, if he could figure out how to put it all together. We did a few times at the IFL.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was training for the Anacondas, he was there. Yeah. And then he started listening. And people go, like, man, he's, he, you transformed him into a kickboxer. No, he's just listening at this moment. But when you face another guy, like, for instance, he fought uh, Scott Smith. You know, and I told him, I said, "Don't brawl with the guy." Yeah, but are people going to think I don't want to? I said, "Well, blame it on me. Tell him that I said so. Otherwise, I'm not going to train you anymore." And of course, the fight starts. Smith comes out, and he starts brawling with the guy. That's what the guy does. Don't do. It's like with Wanderlei Silva. Don't brawl with the guy. You know, you got to pick him apart from the outside and shoot, take him down. He got in trouble at the end of the first round. Then he took him down, hit him once. It was the end of the round, but almost had Scott Smith. Second round, exactly the same thing. Where I lost my voice, I, I just stopped yelling. I said, "Why don't you take him down? Take him
0: down! Beat him up, knock him out! It's
1: it's really that easy
0: for you. Do it!" But no. he didn't. He goes a funny thing when guys want to beat guys at their own game, or they want to show that they're not afraid to stand <laughs> with stupidity. people. Stupidity. Yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard to you know that that fucking thing that makes you great in the first place, that makes you a fighter in the first place, a lot of times can bite you in the ass. Just don't don't do what the other person is best at. If there's one thing he's weaker than yours, go do that. Whatever yeah. it is, whether it's ground. Literally was striking. Well, that was one thing that GSP was always so good at. Mm-hmm. He was always so good at imposing his strengths. Like, whatever the guy, was, if a guy was good at wrestling, he would try to keep the fight standing. If a guy was good at standing, he would take him down. You know, I mean, G- GSP was so good at that. And being unpredictable, too, as to what his approach was going to be. He thought he was going to strike, and then he's going to take you down. You think he's going to take you down, and then he's going to kick you.
1: He was you know? like the La Jolla. The La Jolla, every time when he fought, he had new techniques. He used new combinations. And, mm-hmm. and the same thing happened with... Uh GSP. Every time you saw him, uh, Josh Koscheck, I, I I remember the fight. It was a jab and mm-hmm. it was a spinning back kick to the body. Yeah, you know, and he nailed it over and over again. You knew that for the six weeks, eight weeks, whatever he was training, they worked on that. You know, yeah. for the rest, you ad lib a little bit what you normally do,
0: But, you know, just pepper him. Yeah, the uh, Josh Koscheck fight, man. That was a that was an ugly one. That that when his eyes swoll up like that, Josh was in a seriously bad shape after that. He couldn't fly after that fight. Yeah, well that was, you know, that was one where they, he had that they had a drive from I think they had that fight in Toronto. Was it Toronto or Montreal? I think that was Toronto, right? No, no, that was I believe it was Montreal because I think Toronto was Jake Shields. That was the big one at the Rogers Centre, right? I have no clue. I think so. Either yeah. way, he was in Canada and he had a drive down to Boston and I believe he had to stay there for a couple of weeks before he could even fly back home to San Jose. Wow. So you think bad. like that will blow up in the air as well, I guess? Well, yeah, I don't know. It was so bad. It was an orbital fracture. There's there's a picture of it right there, and that's after the fight. But it was so bad that they had to operate on it, and um, those blowout fractures of the eyes apparently are extremely painful and very dangerous, too, because it's the bone behind the eye that gets broken, so they have to go in Behind the eye and repair that bone and sometimes when they do that your eyeball is never the same again It looks different. Like do you remember Bob Sapp after Krokop hit him in pride? I believe you called that fight. I called that fight. Yeah, yeah. it was there. remember Krokop cracked him with a left hand Was it yeah. pride or was it K1?
1: No, it was uh, that was uh, pride Oh, oh,
0: wait a minute, maybe it was kickboxing. I think it was kickboxing. You know, it was,
1: because I, I was actually training Bob Seval, well, yeah. whatever you call it, training. I trained him one and a half times. The rest he was doing uh, interviews. Oh, really? I go, dude, this guy right now in Croatia, he's kicking a back. He, he wants to kill you <laughs> because you're on the <laughs> you, the top yeah. of the world
0: right now. He just beat Host twice. Yeah, Ernesto Host. Yeah. That is crazy that he beat him.
1: So, uh, yeah, then he came to train with me, because I told him before the fight with Host, he said, if you would fight me, where would you go for? I go I go for body shots because your stamina and I, I kick your knees instead of your legs. I kick your knees because you have to carry that weight all that right. all the time. Who's dropped them two or three times with the liver shot? Mm-hmm. So after that he came, he said, I really wanna train with you. I say, Okay, well then I'm gonna be in Japan anyway, so
0: let's let's work out but yeah, he was too busy doing media. I said, don't do that. Well, he was such a superstar in Japan. He had to capitalize on the amount of money he was able to make. I, I don't think people in America realize how big, for those few years, Bob Sapp got in Japan. You have no clue. We went out to dinner with him, and the, they have to close the, the,
1: the restaurant, and have to let him out at the back, because you see one person in the front, two, four, boom, and there was a whole group. Couldn't get out anymore. Wow. You couldn't go through the lobby of the hotel, and it's not like he can blend in. No, you know? a <laughs> three hundred and seventy-five pound yeah. man. Well, you know a funny story. Huge. He was. He was. This was in the uh, the Tokyo Post. They had a picture of him at the on the cover, uh, coming out of uh, like a massage place, <laughs> and you saw these little girls next <laughs> him, and he's the mountain of a man stands there. And all these little girls that had that little black thing in front of their eyes, you know, that they do, so you don't know who that person is, right, which can right. still tell. And he was upset. He said, why didn't they put one in front of my eyes? <laughs> and I go, yeah.
0: Like a- Even if they blocked <laughs> your whole ass. off. That's what I mean. People are going to go, uh, uh who do you think that us? is? Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, when he was <clears throat> fighting in Pride, I mean, he was like a character from a movie. He, yep. was, he was like the boss in a video game. You remember? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. God. It was so hilarious. He did all these dances,
1: the Bob Sap dance, yeah. and they got every show. He was in every show. And uh, yeah, they just love him. He's a he's a freak. And you know what? The first time when he fought against Nogueira, I go, dude, we're gonna hear from this this guy. He he, he was doing really well against yeah. a seasoned guy like Nogueira. Oh yeah. Eventually okay, he lost, but he just started. Yeah. I think if he re- would would have kept focusing on the same training that he did at the time it would have been uh, a much much tougher guy because he
0: had yeah. a lot of talent, uh, physically at least. Well, he was just so fucking big too. Yeah. He was so big. Maurice was training him at that time. Yeah. Maurice Smith was yeah. working with him. And, and Mar- yeah, was- and they were working with his kickboxing and they were really trying to put some technique to all that muscle, but... You know, you're talking about a guy who legitimately was 375 pounds with yeah. abs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was like the he's greatest awesome. science project in the history of performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, has there yeah. ever been a project yeah, like that Yeah, the blueprint. <laughs> he is, he's like, this is as far as you could push it before yeah. you fucking explode, <laughs> yeah. before your skin just explodes like a water balloon. Oh man! He was yeah, we've so seen big. that in the past.
1: You see that with these guys who use a lot. You know, they always are, are around the fighters. They start to become purple. Yeah. you know, and then suddenly you hear they died of a heart attack yeah. or something. I say, oh, I wonder
0: what happened there. You know. Well, he made it through. He survived, and then he started just quick tapping. He started doing all these fights where he would get hit. One, He would go in hard, and if it didn't work out, he would just tap. And you know. He fought a bunch of guys like that where he would start off the fight really well and then wind up tapping out. Just, and then he would fight again in like three weeks and do the same thing and just kept doing it, living off of the name that he had created while he was in pride.
1: That's a very sad
0: thing for me. Um. That, that's almost uh, the same as going on the street
1: and back for money. Yeah. It really is to me. Yeah. You know, I think that is, uh, and, and he's such a good guy. If you meet him also, he's yeah. very, very he's nice, trying to help guy. people. a Great guy. But yeah, that, I, I, I don't like that. It's the same with Kerr. You know, I saw that special or, mm. or a thing that they did on him that he sells cars now. You know, it's, it's hard to look at that because yeah. especially he knew where he was in yeah. the past and that all is gone now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you can be really high, but you can fall really low yeah you know she so had fighters saying that they said it's so great to fight he says but when you're high you're high you know when you win but when the lows are there it's really low as well the difference is too much yeah well, actually uh look what just came out with uh, ellen and uh ronda
0: yeah right
1: yeah. i mean she broke down just thinking about it. and i know that it's a moment that they're there so um everybody would have that for a few seconds
0: but yeah, it will it will get yeah. you down a big well, loss like that. I know that after the fight, like that night, she was just devastated. But of course, I mean that was a, a brutal, brutal knockout, and it was a, a fight where nothing worked. I mean, yeah. just nothing worked. She went after Holly, and she tried to bully her, and Holly just. Great footwork, countered her, and that kickboxing and her movement. Holly's movement is the best in all of women's MMA. Mm-hmm. Her footwork and movement, she's so good at getting out of the way, at countering when you're coming in, and the, the style, the bulldog style of Ronda's, especially the way she fought that fight that night, just played right into Holly's hands. That's it. She knew yeah. exactly where she was going to be all the time, because that, she just went speed forward. And that head kick, oof. You know, that was one one of the things I said after that fight. I'm like, this is she should take a long time off after that fight yep. because that's the kind of head kick, that's the kind of KO that it takes a long time to recover from. You might look fine, yeah. You know, you might but be able mentally, to talk, but mentally and also <clears throat> the brain itself, that kind of an impact, like a, a high kick like that, can really take a long time for everything heal. For yep. everything to, to normalize.
1: Well, Kenny Rice said he says now we because I took my words back because we were talking about uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Ronda. I said, well, if it goes to the ground, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I truly believe. But Kenny said footwork will make sure it's not going to go to the ground. I go, no, 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 five rounds, five minutes, twenty-five minutes, a long time. You know, there will mm-hmm. be a clinch one time. That's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. There's a difference, first of all, in fighting in an octagon, which is a huge surface. Like, if you look at a boxing ring, most people- Yeah, you can look them up. Much, much smaller space. And also, I just don't think Ronda would try to box a Floyd Mayweather. I think she thought that she could stand with Holly Holm. Yep. and I think a lot of it's based on Holly's previous performances <gasps> in the UFC, especially the Raquel Pennington fight. Yep. Raquel Pennington, who's very tough, mm-hmm. very very durable, and uh, Ra- Raquel, I, I always give her, uh, I gave her the nickname the Ear Exploder because she's had so many moments in the fight where you're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. scream so loud that you like you blow people's eardrums out, like. Uh, when she fought Ashley Evans-Smith and Bulldog choked her. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Blood everywhere, and she choked her like one second ago. We were screaming at the end of that fight like, She's out! She's out! And then she Yeah. not. Yeah, but Pennington's so tough and fought conservatively against Holly Holm. And almost won. Mm-hmm. Like, that was it's a split, split decision, decision. right? Yep. So, you look at that fight and you go, Oh, boy, man, maybe Ronda could stand with her and just go after her the way she went after Betch Kohea, the way she went after uh, Alexis Davis. But, man... Holly was just on point. It was I a- think it's game planning, also. Mm-hmm. You know, after that fight with Raquel, that
1: was the, that's perfect for her because that means okay, stay away from the big bombs. You mm-hmm. know, and they know that Ronda, she's an athlete; she can hit. She hit you. When I saw that, um, what is the open workout in Brazil? Yeah. And I'm one of these guys. I have always things to say. Oh, this is not good. You should do that. You mm-hmm. can prove this. You can you know, I'm always I'm very critical. And I always I think to myself, Am I too much? Is that what am I doing? But at the moment I saw her training there, and this is this is not fighting, and I right. know this doesn't translate to fighting, but hitting the focus mid and hitting the back, or all that stuff, it looked nearly perfect to me. The rotation of her upper body, the movement mm-hmm. afterwards, the move, very Tyson-like also.
0: I really thought, man. Yeah, okay, I have nothing to say now. Mm. This looks really good. I felt the same way. Yeah, I felt like her hand techniques were on point. And then when she polished off Betch Cohea in the first round, Uh. it sort of spoke to that. Like, okay, well, look, obviously she, she hits hard, her technique is improving, and she's an elite athlete. Yep. You're talking about an Olympian. You're talking about a person that has that mindset to push forward and figures out a way to get better at everything she does. But... So does Holly. Yep. So does Holly. Yep. I mean, and Holly has got way better kickboxing skills and way better. Um, she's got way more diversity in her striking game. Whereas Ronda's just punching, knees to the body when she gets close to the clinch, knees to the body, but on the outside, it's just punching. Whereas Holly. Holly can head kick you and knock you the fuck out. And she sets those kicks up with kicks to the body. She'll throw kicks to the leg. That Jackson camp, they all like that oblique kick to the thigh. To the thigh, yeah. Which is a dangerous kick. Yeah, it's going to be outlawed. and When somebody's going to snap their knee, it's going to be over. Do you think so? Because knee bars aren't outlawed. (coughs) Heel hooks aren't outlawed.
1: I know, but that's a different thing, you know. You th- this is once your leg is a little stretched mm-hmm. and you get hit there, oh, yeah. that's it. A knee yeah. bar or you have to be in a uh, polaris, you know, but yeah. anybody else right. would just put the <clears throat> knee bar on and give you time to tap. Yeah. You won't have that with an oblique kick.
0: Yeah, I, I agree I mean, I mean, but it's so effective right now when it's legal. I understand why they're using it cuz John Jones is so good at it and it, you know, Winkle John is one of the best striking coaches in the world. He really is. Yep. He's so good and so underappreciated because he's such a humble guy. He mm-hmm. doesn't. He's not talking a lot. He's not bragging. He's a very down-to-earth, normal, humble guy. Yep. But the results that that guy's been able to. I mean, Holly's probably one of his best students. But of course, John Jones. John as Jones. Well. Yeah. not a freak. Yeah. Who, uh, you
1: know, he, he can change the world. He he could be if he as everything. If he's now on the straight and narrow and he's just fighting. I see this guy nobody's going to beat this guy.
0: It's going to be it's going to be hard that's for sure but you know the worry about John is that John's going to fuck himself up because like recently he just got caught driving with no license and no no insurance and no yep. registration and you know, he lost his license. Get, get, he's got millions of dollars. Get a fucking driver, man. Get it's a driver. Uh,
1: yeah, but look at Tiger Woods, what happened to him. Because when all the crap happened with him, he mentally he didn't come back from that. And I understand this is golf, you know, but mm-hmm. same as fighting. It's a, it's a mind game. It's really yes. a mind game. Yeah. So can he overstep that? I, I think he can because Jones <laughs> is young and yeah. he knows. How good he is! But if, if I were him, I would say fight or five more years. To stop! You're going down in history. Like yeah. a thousand years from now, they will still talk about you if you do it correctly. Yeah. Or you
0: know, he sidetracks and something bad's going to happen to him. Let's not hope. Yeah, I hope he pulls it together. He's a great guy. Yep. I really like John as a person <clears throat> I mean, he has his flaws like most people and he's young and the amount of pressure that he's on to be the youngest ever UFC Champion to have this spectacular career so early in life. The only loss he had was a disqualification That was a bullshit disqualification. Yep. Yeah, Hamill. I mean this this stupid rule of 12 to 6 elbows They got to get rid of that. rule. <laughs> yeah, it's makes so sense. dumb. <laughs> yeah, if we don't know what I'm talking about folks <clears throat> in the UFC There's a rule and it's a crazy rule rule that you can't strike someone with an elbow from 12 12 p.m. to 6 on a clock dial like going straight down and the only reason why you can't do it is because when they were setting up the athletic commissions the athletic commissions had seen those karate demonstrations on TV where a guy would break a brick with his elbow and they said well you can't do that that's got to be illegal because someone could die and this is what big John McCarthy told me that he had to talk to these people and he's like Okay. All right, then that one's illegal. So that's the only reason why that's still illegal. But the great thing is, if you're on your back, you're allowed to do yes, it. Because, because that is northwest, west to west east. I mean Yes. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> stupid. it's, it's <laughs> the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. It's so stupid. It's yeah. one of the dumbest rules that's still in place. Yeah. Oh well, that's uh we we had a guy in Holland um. Uh, Hippolyte, Hippolyte
1: and Wit uh, Orlando Wit, These two guys, yeah. when they fought each other, they would sell out all the time. I, I saw three fights of them live because these guys were crazy, full tie rules. And Orlando Weed and Hippo, both of them, they would in the clinch like jump all the way up and then come down with yeah. the elbows to the collarbones, yeah. to the head. I mean, they would go full blast.
0: Orlando Weed, who fought in the UFC, he yeah, fought he in the fought early, like I think UFC two was it two he fought in? Yeah, against uh, Remco Pardue. Remco Pardue, yeah, Remco he... got him in a scarf hole and, <laughs> and pounded and him elbows. out with elbows, with illegal elbows. Now <laughs> it is illegal. <laughs> <But now. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, right? Yeah. Well, it might have been legal because it was kind of coming from twelve <laughs> yeah, around yeah. the side. Maybe it was like twelve to. Seven or something yeah, like 11. that. Yeah, <laughs> Eleven <laughs> to <till laughs> five, or one to seven. It's up to uh, you what you want to call this It's so dumb. Yeah, it's so dumb. I, I, you know, I have a problem with a few rules of the UFC, but that's the number one. That's the number one. Yeah, I have yeah. also a problem with the putting the hand on the ground to stop knees to the head. I, I always go if you have somebody, lift him up. Yeah, and then knee yeah. him in the head. Well, I, I feel like to downed opponent, maybe that's a problem when they're up against the cage because you can't get your head out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like. In Pride, one of the crazy things about Pride, which I think to this day, and one of the reasons why I was so excited to have Morrow here, too, yeah. you guys called the glory days. Oh,
1: I mean, some of the
0: wildest fights in the history of the sport yep. where you have stomps, soccer kicks, everything, but no elbows. No, no elbows. elbows. to the ground. Yeah.
1: No, I, I, I remember fights that they literally have Vanderlei Silva in the corner of a, a, or Ninja or a Shogun, you know, and they would hold the ropes
0: mm-hmm. and, and then stomp. just
1: stomp somebody. Yeah. Skullin, pretty much. Yeah. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's scary. I think that that shouldn't that shouldn't be legal. It's like the what happened in, in the past with the uh, Hozier Huerta. You know, it's one FC. It's now one championship. Yeah. When you look at that fight, you go. <laughs> That was the referee really messed up on that one. Yeah. He literally dropped on all fours because
0: he was exhausted mm-hmm. and then he got penalty kicked in the face. That was that that could have been really bad. Well, I think it was really bad. I mean, I don't know how much he recovered from that. I mean yep. that was a devastating knockout. And it was also Roger fighting at 170, which is not really his weight class. Yep. It really should be a 155. And he fought a big who was the Brazilian guy that he fought? I don't remember his name. Um, but that guy's a big guy, and yep. he he had Roger Hurt, and then that soccer, they have like a rule at 1FC, I don't know if they still have it, where they, they'll they say like, open, like where you're allowed to do uh, a, a yeah. stomp or a kick to the, the downed opponent. Well, this was a closed. <laughs> <laughs> they should have said. There's a guy's name, Zoro Babo Moria. Zoro Babel. It was a devastating, <laughs> devastating soccer He said, I did not want to throw the kick. Wow. Well, then don't.
1: Yeah. Why would you do it? You do it to, to the body, which, which yeah. will be very dangerous at that moment as well, yes. because you're <clears throat> breathing, you're going to crack some ribs, so it could yeah. be very dangerous as well. But you can recover from the cracked ribs a lot better than you can yeah. recover from that. Step away. There's no need for that. I never had that. You know? yeah. it, it means being aware in the cage and know what you're doing. You know, mm. If I see a guy's out, guy's out. I'm not going to hit him extra. It's, you know, yeah, well, good I don't know for what you, man. Do
0: it's uh, th- There's a lot of debate about the old rules of pride versus the rules of the UFC. And that was one of the things that happened when Krokop started fighting in the UFC and then fought in a cage for the first time against Gonzaga. Well, you know, he fought uh, Eddie Sanchez first, won that fight, but... You that was not, not, really not on his level yep. it was not on his level. Yep. and then he fought Gonzaga and Gonzaga took him down Held him up against the cage elbowed the shit out of him yep. and then stood him up and high kicked him But he was saying like the elbows f- Confused him like he wasn't used to that and he also wasn't used to the cage being trapped Whereas the pride ring, yep. you could move around. Yep, like the ropes were there. You can get under the ropes. You could, you know, you'd never yeah, were pinned.
1: I, you can also, but you can lock somebody up also in a corner, which you cannot do in a cage. Yes, it's a, when I stepped for the first time in the cage, um, I, I was like, "Oh, dude, this is this is awesome! They can never lock me up. This is yeah. the biggest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Gonzaga that fight and I always come back to this, I thought it was so smart what he was doing. He was constantly throwing a right hand, mm-hmm. and it didn't even come close to his face like this. Far. And and I'm constantly thinking, why is he doing that? And then it re- you know, I got, oh, he's shutting his kick down. Because Krokop, he might think, at, if I just throw a right straight like every 20 seconds in front of your face, he's gonna think, if I throw my left at the moment he throws that mm-hmm. right straight, no, he's count. gonna knock me out. Yeah. So he shut his whole game down, and then he was moving to the left, and that was that was the blueprint to Krokop. Because after
0: that, everybody started doing it. Yeah, and it's interesting how Kro- Krokop got his revenge in the rematch in a big way. Yeah, with elbows but, on the ground. The same. It was kind of ironic, yeah. you know. That he, and it, one of the things that Krokop was saying before that fight is that he didn't particularly like grappling, and he didn't particularly like elbows on the ground. Meanwhile, that's what won him the fight. Yep. The second fight, he won by being on top, and but the elbows that a real talented striker can throw from the guard, the difference in those elbows is just unbelievably devastating. We saw that in the Krokop fight.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, he did a really good job of that. I, I had it one time also somebody armbar me and I, I, I got out. And when I fought him the, the second time, I, I didn't want to knock him out. I want to arm bar him first. <laughs> and I remembered that arm bar him, but it was with the rope escapes there. I had him, and then he rope escapes, and I told him, I said, Oh, so this is
0: pancreas? This is
1: pancreas. I said, No, yeah. you got it back. <laughs> you know." And then later on, I heel hooked him, actually. Well, pancreas
0: had crazy rules. You, and you were the first guy to figure those rules out, and I loved watching you fight back then because it was open-hand striking with the hands, but kicks. So, like, you were, were the first guy that ever saw a fight in that, first of all, that kick so fucking hard. You could see when you would slam these guys with these kicks, they'd be like, oh, this is a completely yeah. different experience. But also, you weren't slapping. You would, pu- how the fuck do you pull your hand back so far? Uh, yeah, How'd- I got very limber hands uh, hit yeah. with the bone. Yeah, you were pulling your hand way back and throwing straight punches and hooks and uppercuts. Like when you fought Funaki, oh, you were yeah. throwing uppercut, uppercut palm like strikes that, yeah. like a punch, like you- with the same motion.
1: Nobody does this still. It l- look, if I'm in the guard and I, l- I just lift my hand like this, see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just slide over his chest. In the face yeah, like why right, is nobody doing this why is nobody doing just this? leave
0: it here just right.
1: hit him a little bit do a, look away because most of the time when you look away
0: they think and then boom just hit him in the yeah, face yeah like flat hand on the center of the chest and just shove it shove it, up. it over yeah. the chest yeah that Can does make it. sense that does make sense but wouldn't that work with a punch as well with the yeah but you have more space With a palm. Right.
1: Like on this distance, Mm -hmm. this is much shorter than this. This is like an extra 15%, which will make a lot of difference on that distance. That's
0: a very good point. Like it's another five or six inches at least. Listen,
1: that's why I never understood nobody's throwing palm strikes now. Mm -hmm. Left hook, right straight combination, right? In boxing. Right. It's a dumb combination if you really think about it. If it's a short left hook, I'm way too close for my straight punch. It has no power. I can't stretch my arm. But if I do a palm strike and then a straight punch. Now I got space for my straight punch. It's much harder. Mm. So why is nobody doing that? Now I do clotheslines. I, I posted a, a thing on Facebook like a year ago. When I hit a bag with a clothesline, dude, I, I don't think people can imitate me my weight with a kick like that. They can kick. And then I say, okay, now I show a clothesline. And you see the back folding around my whole arm. It's the craziest thing. You can block. You can try to block whatever you want. If I clothesline you, if you stand still, it goes straight through everything. I guarantee you, it'll knock you out.
0: Why is that? Why is a clothesline so powerful? It is so powerful because you can really lock it up. Don't stretch your arm mm-hmm. I,
1: because if you miss time and you hit your, you're going to hyperextend but um, you can drag your whole body weight in there because oh. you
0: lock it up. And your legs are planted on the ground. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're getting all that hip torque in there. Dude,
1: it is such a powerful strike. And also with the clinch, when even when they stand like this, if I do this, it loops around the defense
0: and it hits mm. the back of the head, still the legal part, right? because it's outside the Mohawk. Well, even the back of the head standing never seems to get... Like in boxing, they get penalized for punching the back of the head. Like mm. people say no rabbit punches. But when you think about a head kick... A lot of head kicks, especially the ones the that go over the shoulder. They're, they're the back of the head. Yep. And, it's, and it's legal. And
1: that's why they're effective. And that's why it was so effective with me, with, uh, with,
0: uh, with Pancras, I
1: hit behind the ear. Mm. If you look at Mike Tyson's fights, you know, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. He, he was always the shorter guy. But he, if you see him hooking somebody, he hits almost the back of the head. Yeah. He's got very short hooks. Now, the body it's ready for impact from the front and from the side because you're used to it. Well, if you can see the punch coming, the behind, I always tell people just do with the palm, just do this to the back of your head and see what happens. Like just me doing this is already go, you're not ready for that. So you can only imagine if you go, hit as hard as you can behind the ear. Yeah, it. it's a sweet, uh, it's a sweet punch. I can't understand nobody's doing it. it drives is me nuts. Is the back
0: of the head that much more dangerous? Oh, do this, do this. But I mean, is it that much more dangerous? I mean, no, should no it be
1: Just behind right the here?
0: ear, just do that. Oh yeah. Right, you you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember um, when Henzo fought in World Combat uh, against that judo guy? Um, uh, I forget. His oh, name. the Dutch guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got his back. And spikers, spikers. Yeah, ben yeah. spikers, Ben Spikers. Ben spikers. trained
1: with him also. He got
0: his back and just ba- <laughs> if they, if you can elbow the back of the head, rear naked chokes are out the window. Yeah, Because yeah, everybody's yeah. just gonna bang, bong, bang, bong. bang, yeah. bang to the back of the head, and it's almost more effective than a rear naked choke because guys are just gonna, they're just gonna try to cover up. Yeah, and eventually, yeah, one I mean, will slip through. That's it's it's interesting to me that there's some really effective martial arts techniques that are outlawed, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't hit that spot. It's, it's, a, it's kind of strange because in a self-defense situation or in actual martial arts, if you think about what is the most effective technique to use, knees to the ground are very effective to head on a down opponent, elbows to the back of the head are very effective. Yeah. But are they that much more dangerous? I mean, should they be out Oh, here's the, the video. Yeah, Henzo got it. Oh, look at this. Yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. I mean, no need to choke, but he, I mean, he choked him anyway, I think.
1: Yeah, and now he's going to step on his head, right? Yeah, at the he end.
0: smashed him. He smashed that dude. Well, that guy, here's the deal. Henzo, who's a very nice guy, by the way, <laughs> this fucking guy was calling Henzo all throughout the night and fucking yeah. with him. Look at he stepped <laughs> on his head as he I walked off man. of him. Yeah. yeah, he's out cold. Henzo uh, was in his hotel room, and this guy kept calling him and fucking with him. He just didn't want him to have any sleep, so he just kept ringing his phone, and Henzo was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. yeah. Just wait, motherfucker. Yeah. It's so funny when you see a guy like Henzo and he's always smiling, yeah. you know. Don't don't do it.
1: What's what's wrong with people? He's really nice. He smiles all the time. Yeah, yeah but he does
0: the same thing when he kicks you in the balls. <laughs> you know, he's I mean, watch out. Did you ever see that Twitter uh sequence that Henzo put online where yeah. he beat the shit out of these muggers in New York City? Yeah. These guys in New York City tried to mug Henzo Gracie, not knowing who he was. So So Henzo not only beat the fuck out of them, he followed them and kept beating the fuck out of them and was making all these pushes. Thank you, Mayor Bloomberg, for making so safe New York City so I don't have to worry about guns. This, to me, is a pleasure. No, he already starts with
1: there's two guys uh, following me, they probably
0: (laughs) want to rob me or something,
1: and then he he makes it into a game, (laughs) he's like, oh
0: yeah, this is really happening, I'm so excited. Uh, What a huge fuck up on their part.
1: Yeah, well he had one, we were, um, Kenny Rice and I, we were somewhere, this is not that long ago, and he was also, he was walking on the street, and two guys, same thing. He came to tell the story, and uh, and he he dropped the biggest guy. Right, he said, "I just picked the biggest guy, knocked him out. And while he kept walking, the police came. And they stopped us there, any trouble? And he looks at the guys, and the guys go, oh, "No, there's no, doesn't know any <laughs> trouble."
0: And he just kept walking. He said, "You just picked the wrong guy." That's yeah. what he told him. They fucked you. Up. Did yeah, yeah. Well, he looks so friendly and nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, when when he's got his game face on, he looks like a killer. But most of the time, Henzo's smiling. Yeah. He's like one of the smiliest, happiest guys you're ever gonna run into. Yep. Yeah. And they look at him there, big smile. Oh, that's is <laughs> that's that an IFL ring? It's an
1: IFL ring, but that's this is the paperweight. This is oh, not it's a re- yeah. This is a fake one. It's a paperweight that they gave to us. Yeah, and uh, Henzo but, couldn't be a nicer guy. Couldn't yeah. be a nicer
0: guy. And it's so nice to see how well he's done with his school too. Mm-hmm. He has one of the biggest jujitsu schools in the world. Yep. And in Manhattan, where it's so hard to be successful because it's so expensive real estate.
1: I, I think the IFL had a big part in that because they did that thing on twenty twenty for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, or fifteen minutes, one of the two, and and after that it just exploded because yeah. w- once you get into the world of Enzo, you know uh, about what kind of person he is. You know, everybody likes him. Yeah. You know, even even the guys like him. So the people at home, they saw that guy, and then they saw the technique and the you know talent. Yeah, put hand in hand together, and boom. Anthony yeah. Bourdain trains there, also his wife trains yeah. there, everybody trains there. Yeah,
0: well, he's done an amazing job of putting together a fantastic gym in New York City with Gary Tonin, Eddie Cummings. So he's got these guys that are, tra- and John Donaher is a big part of that as well. He's got these guys that are training there that are so successful in these jujitsu jitsu competitions. So it's not just the legacy of being one of the Gracies and being one of the most famous jujitsu practitioners ever. But it's also on top of that, it's the product, mm-hmm. like the the results that they've gotten in competition.
1: Yeah, he's very smart. You know, he's got a, a really good staff as well, teaching there, which is a very important thing. Because most of the time, guys like who are really good, they want to... Control it too much, you know, and then it goes down. But he did a great job just getting the right guys for the job. Well,
0: it's also, you see extreme loyalty from the people that train there because they love Henzo so much. Like There's like a real bond with Henzo Gracie. Of course, Mm -hmm. you know, Matt Serra, who came from that lineage, and then, you know, a lot of his guys as well. Just uh, can't say enough good things about Henzo. Yeah,
1: he's funny, Uh, Matt. It's so hilarious. The, the, the one when I, the, the first time, Looking for a Fight. Yeah, have you, know, you seen that show, the Dana said, White show? You, you're a boat model, <laughs> you know, when Dana
0: sits there. And then he yeah. gets all uncomfortable yeah. about sitting a certain <laughs> way. It's if, so funny. If you haven't seen it, there's a show called Looking for a Fight, and it's Dana White, Matt Serra, and Nick the Tooth. And what yeah. they do is they go to small MMA shows all over the world, and uh, they see fights and find talent. And yeah. that's where they found that kid, Mickey Northcut. Gall, uh, Sage Northcutt as yep. well. And then the guy who's who they were setting up to fight. Punk. Yeah, CM Punk, which is, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that guy. I don't understand this whole thing. He's got a lot of injuries. Well, I also think it's ridiculous for him to fight in the UFC. Mm. I think he should fight in a small organization. Take a fight. In a small organization, build yourself up. I have always said that that's what should have happened with Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Brock Lesnar as an athlete, I always said, if you took Brock Lesnar and got him to a guy like Matt Hume or Farras Sahabi and said, okay, make this guy a champ. You're dealing with a freak athlete. Unreal. Just train him correctly, yep. building him, build him up slow, get him through the ring. But he wanted to fight right away in the UFC. One fight in K-1, right to the UFC, fought in that K-1 LA show. Yep. Um, and then right to the UFC. Yeah, it's a shame, you know, and
1: uh, but but it's his name and, yeah. and you know They they of course they understand that once he fights for a pay-per-view There's gonna be a lot of people. She He's can't. gonna have a cut on the pay-per-view. You know, but that that is short It's always short like the money mm-hmm. yeah. Later in your career you regret all these things. I'm happy. I never did
0: that. Yeah, I you feel know, like big make, make mistakes Well, I feel like he um, He definitely had massive potential. I mean he beat I mean, he beat Randy Couture. Yeah. I mean, that's just it started there, yep. unbelievable. I mean, he he beat the shit out of Frank Mir. I mean, he beat Shane Carwin in a fight. We really had to show his resilience, got the fuck beat out of him in the first round, came yep. back, submitted him in the second round. Mm-hmm. So he had some legit wins against legit guys, but just wasn't ready for guys like Kane or Especially Alistair, that was a bad fight Yeah,
1: that was a bad fight Well, if he could have taken it to the ground It would have been different Against Couture, that was the first time that I thought Oh, hopefully now more people start doing it That was that crazy punch And with him it was because he was not super technical yet In in striking, but he hit an an overhand And it hit with this part of the hand With the fist, the back of the head And Mm. Couture went down Then with Junior Dos Santos Knocked out, came Velasquez like that I go, okay we got it. People finally now they start getting it to it. And then yeah. Velasquez did the same thing to Junior mm-hmm. coming back. So I figured, oh, they looked at it. So now we're gonna see this more often, but that was pretty much it. You see it here and there one time, but it's not a real overhand. Or they they throw a real overhand, not with the side that mm-hmm. hits the back of the head again, what we just talked about.
0: Yeah, almost like a ridge hand strike. It's
1: almost like a ridge hand, yep. Yeah. That is
0: well, you remember when Chuck Liddell used to throw that crazy. You, you got a Chuck Liddell sweatshirt on now? Yeah. There's new roots of fight ones, right? Yeah. I got a Boss t shirt Chuck- at home. Oh you got it. But Chuck Liddell used to throw it like over the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Like he would he would throw this crazy one and that's how he hit Alistair when they fought in Pride. Yeah. He threw it like like not a not circular at all, but like like a twelve six punch.
1: You know, it's a complete different punch. That's what I tell people. I said, um, how do I say? I always really liked the technique from Chuck. He's, he's also wide open, uh, which gives him almost power equal left and right. It's just like Tyson. It's just, I like to fight like that as well. And he can hit really, really hard. And he's not afraid about opening up. Sometimes, though, with him, you know, if he gets too excited, instead of stepping back... He goes in for the kill, and that got him in trouble yeah. later in his career because if he would simply step back and come back. But that's why every person, every guy, every everybody likes Chuck Liddell. Yeah. You, you don't look at Chuck Liddell and say, oh, he lost a, a couple of times by knockout. N- nobody will say that. He did not lose one fan because he's always there to fight. That's yeah. why I really... Like
0: Chuck. Yeah, he had one of the most exciting attitudes ever mm-hmm. in fighting. He was always do or die. And early in his career, he had an incredible chin. I mean, his chin was just iron. You ever see the Pele fight when they fought in Vale Tudo in Brazil? Oh, no, no. I heard oh, about it, though. Pele was crazy, Christ. too. Crazy fight. And that, that was a fight where they had a net under the bottom rope. They fought in a ring... But it was modified for Valley Tudo, where the bottom rope, from the bottom to the to the floor of the ring, was a net. So he so, couldn't get out. Yeah, he slide and they're, out. they're trapped, bare knuckle, and Chuck's got him trapped in there and just beating the fuck out of him, like smooshed up there. And this was back when you know Chuck was known for his striking, but he was a very good wrestler. Yeah, before that. Yeah, that's why I stopped every day now. You know, that was one of the things that, um, what the fuck was his name? The guy who uh, was the matchmaker for the UFC. Peretti. John Peretti. John Peretti told Chuck right before he fought his first fight in the UFC. He said, if you take this guy down, you'll never fight for us again. Oh, wow. That's like, he said it to to Chuck right before he fought. They didn't want him to uh, try to wrestle fuck his way. So Chuck was like, oh, Jesus. All right. Mark so, him out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, the debut of Chuck Liddell, you know? Who knew? Yeah. You know, Who hey, knew? I got great hand power. Well, could yeah, know, hit Hackleman, you know, his trainer is also a legend, you know, <clears throat> and a, a great guy and a, a real wild man, too. There's a, they were a perfect combination, you yep. know, Hackleman and, and Chuck. You know, with Chuck's early days, you you know, you watch some of those fights, like the Babalu fight. I mean, he was just a fucking destroyer. That's the kick, right? Yeah. yeah. That was the, the, That was the second time they fought, right, wasn't it? I don't, I don't worry know. About. It you know so that's, if, if we have Maro here, he'll uh, Mauro he'll, he'll tell know. the dates, everything. <laughs> well, when Maro gets better, we'll definitely have him back here. I would I would love to talk to him. I love Maro. He's such a great guy.
1: He really is. We we, we have some crazy stories in Japan also because we everything with us is fun. We would come home or we would come home. We would g- g- breakfast in Japan. You know, you wake up early because of the jet lag. We're there at five thirty when the breakfast place opens. We sit down and our table. We start with two. It would be at the end, 25 guys are there. Everybody jumps at the table because it's Comedy Central all morning (laughs) long. All the fighters, you know, everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a good time. Well, you guys did a lot
0: of comedy sketches, too. There was like a lot of fun with Pride in those early days.
1: In the the early days, yeah. This was just, uh, that was with uh, Quadros, Stephen Quadros. Yeah, They allowed
0: us to do this, and it
1: all happened because I forgot my suit. I didn't know that as a commentator, you needed to wear a suit. So they thought I was messing with them. And I go, no, I really didn't bring a suit. Nobody told me to bring a suit. So I was in my shorts, flip-flops, and I had this Hawaiian shirt on. And that was the first (laughs) one that I'm leaning back. And there's a bunch of these uh, geishas, they're fanning me down, and feeding me grapes, and I'm doing, I'm talking to Stephen, who is in the event. You know, we're going back and forth. And they say, hey, man, we really like
0: that. Maybe we should keep doing this. And then we start coming up at this crazy opening. Well, a lot of what you were doing, it was, I don't even know if I was working for the UFC back then. But guys from Jitsu, we would all get together. We'd over, either go over my friend John's house or we'd go over my house. And we'd get together with a bunch of guys and we would watch Pride. Yep. And, oh, those were the days. Man. Those were the days. Uh. Those were the days because that was, it was the early days of MMA. And, you know, we had had in the 90s, you'd have the UFC, which was kind of struggling at the time. Because they were kicked off a of cable and the only way you could get it was on direct TV. This is pre-Zufa mm-hmm. It was before Zufa bought but it But that's like right around the time where Pride started to take off with the first Hickson fight yep. Hickson a lot of people don't know Hickson started off Pride Yep Hickson was in Pride 1
1: Yeah, Takata yeah. That was the first fight. Yeah. And, and then Sakuraba put him on the map by beating the Gracies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's when it became big. That's why I always say, you know, for risen, for that the Ryzen, new organ is horizon. Yeah. Ryzen, yeah. yeah they, it they need they need a Sakuraba like guy. They need a Japanese guy. They they can do a few shows like this with a fader on I mean, and ankle and now Vanderlee Silva coming back and they can do a few shows, but eventually people want to root for their own. You know, they need yeah. a Japanese guy. Like Satake, you remember in K one. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was getting very I I think he won the first one, but that was before all the foreigners came. in. Mm-hmm. Once the, the, you know, yeah. Bronco Sicatiju and all the, the. That was an animal. Ooh, that guy yeah. also.
0: Bronco knocked out who's remember Ooh, that? man! That guy could fucking yeah, punch. Yeah. We saw. I Holy saw a fight shit. in the
1: Jaap Hall in Holland. That's that was the fame, most famous place. Every fight was there, always. That was one night we had um four guys from Thailand were there. And they were fighting all guys from Jira gym, like Rob Kamen, Miloel Gobley. I mean, all, all the great guys, all the great strikers from Meng Ho. And it were all title fights. And they were broadcast live to Thailand. Wow. They all got knocked out.
0: Wow. Yeah, that never happened again after that. Wow. Yeah, they destroyed him. It was awesome. What a wow. night! Wow. Well, th- that was you know the Holland days of you know the, the, the top Holland guys. When right around the time where uh, Ramon Decker started dominating and Rob Kamen started dominating, so much talent came out of Holland. I mean, Holland is a small country. Yeah. If you look at the size of Holland, do you look at the amount of high level kickboxers that have come out of there? It's pretty incredible.
1: It's incredible. You know, you the the K one for instance. They at the end. From the final eight, they fight all year. From, they have, they make a final tournament for the people who don't understand it. They fight ten times a year, or there's ten shows a year, and then in December there's the final eight, like the UFC started. Eight fighters. The best from the whole year compete against each other. Whoever wins gets like $450,000, whatever the price money is. But they start realizing that the final eight were, six were Dutch, seven were Dutch. So now if you're, for instance, in a, a guy who was born in Morocco but lives in Holland, or even when you were born in Holland with Moroccan parents, you know, suddenly you come up with the Moroccan flag
0: right? <laughs> because they say, we can't have the Dutch flag the <laughs> like whole Badr-Hari. time. Like Badr Hari. I love Badr Hari.
1: Yeah, perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Ramon Deckers, the first guy I saw, first time I saw him fight, I wasn't the same card. I was fighting as well. So this is, this is a long time ago. It was just C class. You know, in Holland you have new, C class, B class, A class. And, um, and I just started, so I probably was new. And he fought C class, I believe. And a friend of mine calls me, he says, You're going to watch? I said, No, I got to fight. I got to warm up. He says, You want to watch this kid? Watch this kid. And I see him, and he's with a little mullet, and he is skinny. And he fights this guy who is much older. He's like 16, 17 years old. An older guy with tattoos. So automatically, you you go, oh man, he's gonna get killed. And my buddy goes, just wait till he starts, you know. And the first kick, I don't, I still remember. He kicked the guy a low kick, and the guy horizontal, went horizontal and fell on the ground. And I'm looking at my buddy. I go, this is the craziest power I've ever seen. It was so
0: explosive, and he was so skinny yeah. at the time, but his technique was. Perfect. His technique was perfect, and he was so ferocious. Yeah, I mean, he didn't care. Like when towards the end, his ankles were so fucked up that he wanted to fight southpaw because he start, he didn't want to throw the right kick. But he would, he would kick a few times, and he would go, fuck it. And yep. he'd go right back to it and with his bad leg. I mean, they were telling him, like, we're, we're close to amputating your leg. You've broken your foot so many times. You've broken your shin. Your your whole leg is just a series yep. of... And he would wrap it up tight and just still. Once the fight started, he didn't give a fuck. He would oh. just throw it right into elbows. He'd kick everything.
1: He, arm out of socket. He would yeah. just place it back in the corner. Yeah. he was an and, animal. And, and, and um, Cor Hammers, his trainer, he told me... I never heard him complain. Like he would say, oh, you know, I uh, hurt my ankle or I hurt my hand. He said, I never heard him say anything when he comes back (laughs) like that. He just goes like, what are you doing? I'm putting my shoulder back in place. It's out of the socket. It was almost like it
0: wasn't his body. Yeah. (laughs) Like he was using a borrowed body. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy guy,
1: man. Super good. You know, that's uh, Kevin. Kevin Rettelman. Look a freak in nature. I mean, he could have done any, any sport. Yeah, You know, guys like that. And that's what Ramon Decker's too.
0: I'm uh, happy they found fighting, though. Yeah, well, Ramon Decker's really set the standard. He really set the standard, I mean, for ferocity. And he sort of embodied that Holland style, the Dutch style of Muay Thai, where they just, I mean, he was just a crusher, a he, crusher. Yeah,
1: he was like uh, Rob came and all these guys. They started, what, what they did, what they, what the reason was they started winning fights in Thailand was because they had better hands. Mm-hmm. They they tied the hands and the kicks together, and yes. they didn't do that in Thailand yet. Yeah. It was
0: predominantly only, only kicking, kicking and a lot of clinching.
1: And then you had like uh, Rob uh, Rob Kamen, who yeah. was one of the greatest uh, kickboxers ever, you know. And then you suddenly that's the technical version, mm-hmm. uh, the more smooth one. Probably he had um, the slow twitch fibers, you know, because yeah. he it, don't get me wrong, he won't he knock you out with every punch. But then you had Roman Decker's, who was the explosive guy. They, he had that technique and he he added the explosiveness to it it's well, like yeah, Dyson. recklessness too just, just. Crazy power. Yeah. You know, when he fights Koban the first time, mm. you know, and he hits him with 26 punches, you got to see the shots. Yeah. That's Coban. He was never had 200 fights, never been knocked out in his life. He was the first guy to do that. And then you see after the fight, when he's down, the whole place is quiet. Yeah. Nobody moves. Yeah. And then Rob Cameron jumps in the ring with a Dutch flag <laughs> and he starts parading around pull,
0: pull that fight up, man. Uh, Rob K- uh, not Rob Cameron, Ramon Deckers versus Koban. Koban laksam choi tang, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, La- just laksam do koban.
1: <laughs> just koban. <laughs> I always did it with these Polish names, you know. I <laughs>
0: yeah. okay, I called him by his first name. The, the, the Thai names are pretty crazy. The, the the amount of adverbs and adjectives they have in there. <laughs> <laughs> the amount it's amount of fucking, like, whatever. It's so strange. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the, uh, the amount of consonants all just lumped in together and all these crazy names. There it, yeah. not- it is. Oh, this, I mean, is, this, a, not this, this is, is not this is a guy. guy. But, but, but just to this take a little look too. to just see what kind of power he has. Look at that hook. The kick, bunk. Oh, yeah, look at that left look, hook. Man. Well, what Rob Kamen, the difference between Rob oh, Kamen. Here was here we go. Yeah, here it is. Rob Kamen was just more technical. He didn't take as many chances. Yeah. He didn't get hit as much. Mm-hmm. He was very smart, very technical when he fought. And he's a great trainer, too. You know, Rob Kamen was really one of the guys that was responsible for Brandon Vera early in his career. You know, when Brandon Vera was knocking everybody dead in the UFC early in his career, he was training with Rob Kamen. Yeah. And when he stopped training with Rob Kamen, is when things started like not going so well for him. Yep. Oh, this is Koban. This is a slow motion. This for some is they—they
1: they show Koban now knocking people out. I think yeah. so. They know who Koban is. Uh, they called him the Bufflehead. That was his nickname because he never went down. Well, he had a giant head.
0: And yeah, then mean, this. Uh, is, See if they can show some... Yeah, go a little uh, further yeah, where... Yeah, I don't want to see or it in slow motion.
1: Maybe that's it where you are now. Yeah, but I don't want to see it slow-mo.
0: I want to see them... A- there we go. Yeah. Now they're actually fighting.
1: <laughs> this is going to be so crazy. Yeah.
0: The way he gives them the extra punch. Watch oh, in the bed. You'll see it. So, Ramon, like, most of the time fought southpaw? Is that what it was? No, he fought... Uh, he uh, fought didn't orthodox. Care. Yep. Don't he fought both. So, uh, most of the time when he fights different... It's because he has an injury, like you said. Oh, this is Lawrence uh, Kenshin, Kenshin, uh, who's uh, an amazing uh, like analyst. He does a fantastic job of breaking down fights. His his fight breakdowns are amazing, but he does a lot of it in slow motion to show technique. So, see if you could find just the actual fight instead of that video. Because I mean, you should definitely, if you're a fan of striking and you want to understand it a little bit a, bit, a little bit better, watch Lawrence's stuff. What is the uh, his YouTube channel? Lawrence's YouTube channel. Because I uh, should give him some props. It's just his name, Lawrence Kenshin. He's amazing. Lawrence is amazing. He does such a great job of breaking down fights. His videos are incredible. And um, he really deserves a, a lot of credit for that. I love watching his breakdowns, especially Thai. He loves it, a, lot of, uh, Thai, yep. a lot of Muay Thai, a lot of Muay Thai breakdowns. So here's the actual fight itself. Man, it's, these are the. I mean, these are like in a lot of ways like unprecedented times because the ties back in in those days, we. We were used to karate, and we were used to uh, PKA, kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, 10 you kicks, know. WKA yeah. to the head first. People didn't know. <laughs> and then when Westerners started going over to Thailand and competing against the Thais, we started seeing what high-level Muay Thai they had, and their kicking technique, and especially the low kicks, was just devastating.
1: That was the first. Uh, the, the, the American champions here, when they came, the, when they lost, it was low kicks.
0: Yeah, but remember when, they ready when Rufus for went and yep. fought? And it's kind of funny because Duke Rufus talks about it. He kind of laughs about it now. That they were saying when when his brother got fucked up. I forget who his brother fought, but he got lit up with leg kicks and stopped. And Duke was like, "Well, there's not a lot of technique to that, and you know, I don't think this mu- doesn't take much talent. Well, it takes a lot of fucking <laughs> it talent. They like, just they didn't know yet. Now watch look this. At the hands look at these heads. Bong bong bong. Oh look at this. God. Boom, this boom. is it. Ramon uh, Decker's look, in his prime, bo- man. And now the and look at Coban gets wait, up. Wait, the
1: finishing punch he's going to give.
0: Watch. One, two, three. Oh my God, the fucking dunk, dunk, power look at the in power. his hands. How Body. tough was Coban? <laughs> look at him. He's, he's out on his feet. He's walking yeah. forward. They're giving him a standing eight count. That,
1: the last right hand. Watch that. Yeah. In, the, in the This is going to be so
0: badass. It's amazing how much Coban could take, though. Boom! Oh, move. Oh this one. Oh.
1: oh! That's it.
0: Incredible. Now watch. The, look at the audience. Yeah. There's only
1: a Dutch guys. Everybody is quiet. Yeah, man. and then uh, you see uh, Cayman coming in
0: oh, he, uh, oh, Cayman, uh, and he's going to get the yeah. flag. I remember. <laughs> man, how fucking tough was Koban yeah. to take those shots? A lot of people lost a lot of money there. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people on the planet that Who are his weight that. that would have taken those punches. As many as he took, clean to the face. And there you we saw, him. yeah, he's got the flag. <laughs> 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 and and Ramon Deckers was just teeing off full power. I mean, winging those shots in on him too, man. You know, this s- core hammer, such a scary guy. Yeah, man. G- yep.
1: Glory days. Well, he's up there now with Kevin. So they're yeah. having a blast.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> Sean he Tompkins. Died, he died young as well. He yeah. died a heart attack while he was riding his bike. His bike, yeah. What was that? Did, did they know what happened?
1: No, they first thought maybe he fell, but it was it was his heart. Wow. And he's also, because we've all been crazy, Every we, we all liked going, push, pushing limits, you know? Yeah. We were drinking with everything, and uh, but he was totally like a year nothing. We started cycling, and I knew, you know, once he starts something, and he loved cycling. I mean, this guy oh. is going to go 50 miles an hour. I know he's right. going because that's how who he is. He can't stop being the best at everything he right. does. So I so thought he
0: wasn't just riding his bike. He no, probably no. Yeah. he's probably going crazy. go. yeah, that's his attitude. Such you know? always pushing animal, him. Yep. such an animal. <laughs> yeah, he probably pushed himself to his heart broke. And
1: also when you see him, you know all the all the punishment he got in the tie with all the cuts on his
0: forehead. Yeah, you know he's. Looks really badass when yeah. you look at it, you go like, Oh yeah, that's yeah, I want that. Well I remember when he fought Dwayne Ludwig towards the end of his career. I mean yep. I deep into I mean his face was flattened out, his massive scar tissue all over his eyes, his nose was flattened out. Yeah. I mean, uh, he took a lot of pun I don't think anybody's face changed more than Vanderlei's though. And yeah, that yeah. His face got flattened. I mean, yeah. you you look at Vandalet during the old Valley Tudo days and then Vandaly towards the end in Pride I mean, it changed his face. But didn't they do surgery with the yeah. cheekbones
1: like Nick Diaz did, you know, to make him flatter or something? Once he, that he was, you was don't in the cut? UFC.
0: They not, they not only did that; they took cartilage out of his rib and reconstructed his nose. And Vanderlei had his nose made big oh. so that he could get more air in. He, I mean, it looked crazy because he, his nose looks very different than it used to look. Like I remember the first time I saw him was uh, on the way. Uh, he was. Like for the weigh-ins, he wasn't fighting. He was with someone else, and he came up the stage, and I didn't know who the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know who it was. Oh, that is scary. And someone said that's Vandalay, and I went, "What? What?" Because it, he had just gotten the surgery, so his face was pulled tight. <laughs> his eyebrows were pulled tight, and his nose was big. Yeah, it was like he had his nose made much larger with a big piece of cartilage, so that he could take punches.
1: Oh, yeah. You see, that's, that's the same with the stupid ears, you know, with those cauliflower ears. Yeah. I suck them out. Three yeah, times a day, you got to stab you. through it, and yeah. you have need a big syringe and a, mm-hmm. a large needle, because I do not want to
0: have those ears. And they go, yeah. oh, no, they're considerate trophies. I go, okay, good for you, I not always, for me. I always wear ear guards. I have a little tiny pieces of it here and there, yeah, but I too. always wear ear guards. Yeah, It's just, it's just not smart. It's, it, it affects your hearing. Like it looks cool, but it affects the way the reason the ear is designed that way so the sound echoes <laughs> off the outside of the ear yeah. and it, you can hear better yeah like if you take your ear like folks who don't have cauliflower ear take your ear go over the top of your ear and bend it down yeah that's what those guys are hearing like all the time like yeah. Randy Randy can't even use iPhone earpods those ear ear ear. Plugs, yeah they can't put those them in things you I had a guy also,
1: in. yeah, they walk around with a Bluetooth, and I said, how, yeah. how can you listen to yeah. that thing? I mean, <laughs> I it's a thing.
0: Anything. It's not even an ear. Well, Randy told me, too, his, you know, what happens, with what it is is calcification. So when your ear breaks and bleeds, if you don't drain it, it actually turns the to blood, calcium. Yep, yeah,
1: what turns hard out.
0: So it's like a bone. So what Randy would do is get on top of guys and grind his ear into their eyeball. He would get his ear, like when he's taking guys down, he would shove his ear right it's like he had a rock. Something on his head. very
1: wrong with this guy.
0: There <laughs> <laughs> it is there. Yeah. I mean, look at that.
1: Yeah. Well And and just so the people know at home, a really tiny surgery can fix
0: this right yes, away. Yeah. I mean they can fix this in in, in ten minutes. Yeah. One of uh, Eddie Bravo's black belts, uh, Brent, he had it done. He had his, uh, his ear cut, and then they pulled Pull it, it back, and they pulled the stuff out. But it can, it can get very dangerous, too. You can get some infections in there. Like, you remember Dave Terrell? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Dave Terrell <laughs> had his ear fucking removed because he had such, he had his ear removed. They had to cauterize the inside of his ear because his infections were so bad that it was like, it was fucking with his equilibrium. His balance was Whoa. off. Like the whole inside of his ear was just pus and infections.
1: The, the the Kimbo against Thompson, James Thompson fight, when he, they called it like a satellite was oh, hanging yeah. and he hits it and you Explodes. see the blood
0: <laughs> splicing Well, he went in there with, I mean, he didn't, not only did he not drain it, it was like a recent f- blood. Yeah. It was like, it was like he had a mouse living in his ear. Yeah, it was big. Oh. Oh, that was nasty yeah and that then was, he hits it that was nasty yeah splatter well probably no one's worse than jessica i versus uh laura uh, laura smith was it laura smith what was her name the gunsler um, leslie leslie smith yeah. thank you and jessica i hits her in ear and you see the blood <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. shoot <laughs> straight up in the air from her ear it was insane
1: it would be crazy if she hits she sees the blood flying and i go <laughs> try, try to catch it, you know, Here's that means punch. your opponent is crazy. You can see it right there. Look at, Look at it. that. It's Whoa! insane.
0: And half of her ear was hanging off her head. And by the way, how tough is Leslie Smith? Because Leslie Smith was mad that they stopped the fight. She had a fucking hole that you could see her brain.
1: Oh, I've, I've always been a big fan of Leslie Smith. That's her tough. nickname, right? The Gunslinger or something? That's a, it's a. What is her nickname? Something like um, Western. I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know her nickname. But it, it, it fits her because yes, she's it does. that tough. And Jessica just started targeting that that one spot over and over again. oh, it's disgusting that was a that was a nasty ear man that was a bad yeah ear. I never got
1: that people you see I will be too nice at that moment i won't I won't hit that ear anymore because people go like hit the ear again they go the peacemaker? the peacemaker see oh. so well that's
0: Clint Eastwood I yeah. thought about Clint Eastwood wah, wah, wah. the peacemaker yeah, I got well, a six shot here. Well, woman's MMA is really heating up right now, right? With Joanna Jungajec. Oh, I love her. Woo, yeah, she's Hust. Fun. Ernesto
1: Huist again. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. She's fun, man. That chick is wild. She breaks her hands a lot too. Unfortunately, she, she's broke her hands in two UFC fights so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the first, uh, first round, right? The last fight. Yeah. That's why she couldn't yeah, finish. She, she said. Did. Yeah. Total she animal. Did.
0: Yeah, she's tough as I shit. I love
1: also the way she gets in in, in, the, in their head, you know, yeah. at the way in, the oh, looking yeah. that story low. behind it. <laughs> yeah. She gets low and looks at yeah. him <laughs> from
0: below. She's dangerous. <laughs> she's dangerous. She's dangerous. But Klaja Gadea is f- a fucking beast Ooh, too. Yep, that's a great fight. And they're going to coach alongside each other. They're going to coach on the Ultimate Fighter, and then they're going to fight. Yep. And they're going to fight the day before the big July UFC 200 card. Oh wow! Yeah, so they're going to have the finals on Friday. Were the Ultimate Fighter finals, and then they're going to fight for the title. Joanna Jędrzejczyk and Claudia Gadea, and then they're going to have the big 200 card, which they don't even know exactly who's going to fight in the 200 card. And I mean, that's July, so it, it, a lot depends on Conor McGregor versus Dos Anjos.
1: See, now, now <clears throat> this just for Joanna, I would want to see the the Ultimate Fighter now. Mm-hmm. You know, because that that's going to be interesting because her personality, I think. Uh, oh yeah she's gonna make it well yeah. the, you know and Cadella also i mean she's yeah. an animal well they
0: fought and it was a split decision, a split decision. very and the, close fight. and the
1: way the Cadella looks right her yeah. her
0: body yes it's like an uh also like a machine Just, yeah uh, very good muay thai too but really good ground game <laughs> yep so the question is was she going to be able to get it to the ground because uh joanna hurt her in the first round knocked her down and Won that round but a lot of people thought that Claudia might have won the second and third mm-hmm. so it was a very close fight very close fight very Controversial and very tightly disputed fight. So I think the rematch gonna be very exciting. I'm l- looking forward to that
1: Who's the uh, Jay Drejik, uh, work with as re- for wrestling? That's know? a good question. That's yeah. a
0: good question I don't know who her uh, wrestling coach is. Yeah, but I think she does a lot of her work in Poland You know because she mm-hmm. lives in Poland, so I mean, uh, there's so many good European wrestling coaches. You know, Europe and wrestling, there's a, a lot of uh, great, uh, like, especially, uh, they, they, they bring in a lot of Eastern Bloc uh, wrestlers, a lot of the Russian wrestlers. Like, that's what how George St. Pierre got so good. Yep. The, the Russian nationals who are training up in Montreal. You go train, I go train yeah. with you. So technical, too. You know, those guys, the Russian style of wrestling is so technical, so drill-oriented, you know. <laughs> There's so many uh, really high-level—I mean, look at what's happening now in the UFC with all these Sambo guys, these high-level uh, grapplers. Like, um, um, well, first of all, you've got uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, who's one of the best in the lightweight yep. division. But he's another one that has a hard <coughs> time staying healthy. hmm you, know, you I, but but you th- you think it's a training, or you think it's
1: just the person?
0: Who knows? Yeah, you know, it could be both. You know, I mean, he's such a fucking animal. You you see the way he fights. Yep. You got to think he trains that way. Yep. the way he fights is just so grinding. He's so fucking attacking and relentless, like a badger. You know. So who knows? Yeah,
1: I I, I always I I was tra- I was guilty of that as well. I trained really yeah. hard. Like, but when I f- hear stories, I hear fighters saying, "Oh, we go." Uh, like on Fridays we spar like 70% and I go, n, and they said, no, that's it. I said, that's the, that's it for sparring. Yeah. I go, wow. And they always ask you, so how many times you do? I say every workout, because that's what we're going to do. You know, and we're going to try to, I'll try to hurt your legs. Well, if you have to fight, I won't. But And your body, I will go with and I, I expect them also to go hard with me. And the head, you know, yeah, of course, we watch out for the head. We don't knock each other out too much. Too much. <laughs> too much. Because it <laughs> happens as well, right?
0: It's un- but, inevitable. Um,
1: but th- that's why when I, I didn't fight for seven years when I did that 2006 fight, I felt great. They say, no ring rust? I said no, because we're doing it two times a day. We're trying. We're training right. hard,
0: you know? And if you're used to it, it's the same as a fight. I mean, if they go hard, well, that's a fight. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's very similar if you train like that. Some people feel like, I mean, that's one of the ideas behind hard training is that when you train hard, you fight hard, and it becomes normal to mm-hmm. you. But then other people think, well, you really should just train technical like a lot of the ties do. They train more technical and more light with their sparring. And the hard work is all pad work and bag work. So there's people that think, like, that's the way to save yourself. Like, Wonderboy says that. He says he spars very light. Yeah, you know, because he wants to preserve his chin, wants to preserve his head. It's like he saves the the hard work for the bag and for fights.
1: I I, I used to train uh, a lot with my buddy Amir Amir Peretz, the you know the, the the Navy Seal guy from Israel, and um, he um, he's the one guy who could hang with me, and I mean stamina-wise, because I will not knock him out, but we will go hard. People who see us. They think it's out of control, but it's not at all. So it's also about who you train with. Right. If one, one day your, your steady <clears throat> sparring partner is sick and somebody else pops up and you don't know that guy and that guy tries to make a name for himself, you know, that's yeah. when you get the injuries. Yeah. But I truly believe in going hard. How many times do you see it, I, it really angers me if I see guys in a clinch kneeing other people and they knee him like they knee in training? Mm. They just lift their legs. Nobody gives a real knee. Right. Look at Joanna when she makes a knee. Now yeah. that's a different story. Or Alister explode in there. Yeah, Alistair's go full knee blast. Is but they go. Hey, hey, yeah. stupid. Or the knees to the thighs. It's mm-hmm. not going to do anything if you do it like that. Right. If you do one hard one, it's worse than a low kick. Yeah. Because they don't expect it. The muscle is relaxed. It goes straight through. But nobody does it. There's only, yeah. There's
0: a few. I mean, we're talking about it, 1% of the fighters. But isn't it, though, like all techniques? Like some guys just aren't that good at certain techniques. They just don't have the kind of pop. Like you'll see guys throw kicks, and there's just nothing to them. And it's not that they're not trying. It's that they don't have the looseness of the hips. They don't have the, that sort of snap into the kick.
1: No. They, I, most of the time, it's, it's it's just technique. If you if you train your legs and you uh, put like 10-pound ankle weights and you just start throwing knees from zero, don't do don't make it an, a bouncing – like um, sit-ups. Mm-hmm. I can do a thousand sit-ups as long as I use momentum to get back up, right? Right. That's the problem what a lot of guys do. They they do the knees, Mm -hmm. it's all momentum. Stand still, explode, stand still, explode. Mm. And the trick also with knees is to move your hips away from your partner. Same as with the straight punch. The longer the knee is on its way, the more power it's going to have. Right. And these guys, they don't. They, they actually, they teach, throw your hips in with a knee to the body. It's the dumbest thing to do. Right. It's like me giving you a straight punch and closing the distance. I'm jamming right. myself. Right. You don't want to do that. Free it up. Let the hip flexor do the work. And at the moment you connect, yeah, that's when you want to push your weight in. Right. You see? But a lot of guys don't do it like that.
0: They just knee like they do in training in sparring do you get frustrated at when I mean obviously there's some very high level training going on in MMA some very high level training mm-hmm. but there's also some training where you see these guys like they're just not really prepared correctly yeah well kicking in the balls
1: you know the, the inside low kick uh, 90% of when it happens it's just because the guy doesn't know how to kick because he's kicking up he's kicking up his right yeah. foot if he kicks with the left his right foot his toes I guarantee you pointing straight to the opponent yeah. what they need to do is open that foot let the toes point to the side mm-hmm. and then the angle is much easier to kick you will never have that
0: problem right. these are just guys who don't know how to kick and that's why they kick you in the pills well it's interesting because there's, that kick to the balls is so much more common in MMA than it is in Muay Thai or yeah. in, in glory like, because they know exactly they're throwing Technic- the kick You know, we were talking about Glory getting before this uh, podcast started. We're talking about Glory getting picked up by Fight Pass. how exciting that is! Glory right now is so good. There's so much high level kickboxing talent in the world, and now that you know Glory picked up, it's Showtime and K1's not really around anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, Glory is the game. It's the game. That's it.
1: Got the best guys on the planet. Yeah, you know, Kogan Saki. Even yeah, he got injured now, but what uh, happened um, happened um, to um, him? I don't know. I don't know. I just found out. You know, uh, Mauro told me because he was uh, going to maybe do that show. I think maybe now it's uh, Ron Kruk falling in for him. But um, Saki, that's, that's a guy who was like Tyson. And that's what I teach a lot. Double rights, double left punches. You know, everybody has a pattern. Um, the fight that really upset me is Pacquiao against Mayweather. Mayweather is hanging against the, the, the ropes. Pacquiao is just unloading but everything is left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Now, if you take a Mike Tyson, suddenly he throws in a left uppercut liver shot or a spleen right uppercut, double right, double left, you mix that into a pattern because if you throw a boxer in the corner and you start unloading on him with right, left, right, left, right, left punches, He's that's a pattern. Know. They just punch, yeah. Right. But if you go left, right, left, 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 boom, 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 and you change the second punch as well, mm. like a three shot with a left hook and then you go to the body while keep looking in his eyes or a left uppercut. Right. Change the angle of the punch, but use the same arm that's when you get really effective and you see this in boxing and Thai boxing everybody who does it is really effective at it yet he didn't do it they got paid yeah. 80 million dollars and 180 million dollars you would expect to do that you had a shoulder injury that doesn't prevent him from throwing a double left or a double right. right Mike Tyson spleen right uppercut I think he know mm. six out guys out like oh, that.
0: yeah bang bang over unusual patterns Yep, that's it. Yeah. Did you ever see the... Uh, well, John Wayne Parr has got a fucking amazing oh, yeah. highlight reel, but Animal I also. put one of them on uh, my Instagram page the other day where he hits this guy with like seven uppercuts in a row with the right side. Just bang, 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 yeah. bang. Like, you can't prepare. You don't know the guy's going to do that. <laughs> I do this... Yesterday in my class, double right uppercut, left. Uh, uh. People don't know.
1: Double left. I had uh, Hector Pena. He, he had three left uppercuts, and the, sec- the third one, the guy fell already down. He hit him on the way down. <laughs> three Every left got, Here's boom, the, boom, the boom.
0: john wayne parr highlight i love this highlight he was such a look at this he's like Boom, a, boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah he's an animal if one is good two is yeah. better john wayne parr is a wild motherfucker yeah he In really a is great guy too. total
1: animal he also came up with that s- striking organization where he lives with the MMA gloves pretty yeah, much right it's his cage, oh, I cage, love cage muay it. thai i,
0: I never got anybody who doesn't do that why they don't do that here Well, they should, and maybe he can bring it to the United States, but, you know, what he wanted to do was have, like, cage, like, he likes the cage, he likes the fact that you're trapped in there, and he likes the small gloves. Yeah. So he's like, let's just do this and fuck the ground game, let's just strike like this. (laughs) I love a guy like that. Yeah, he's a wild guy, man, he's fun. Have you ever seen the the pictures of his face, like how many times he's been stitched up? Oh, no, I can only imagine. There's a picture of John Wayne Parr's face after one of his fights. Where his entire face is like a road map of stitches. It's yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, f- see if you could find that picture because it's one of those pictures you just you just look at and you start shaking your head and blinking like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. it, his whole face is like patched together. Look at look at this photograph. Look at this. Oh Jesus Christ! It's real. Yes, that is the craziest uh, thing. It's one fight. It's one fight. His entire face. O- it was a Thai guy or what? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He got just a shit elbowed out of him. Wow. It's, it's, it's such an insane photo. He's Leather over, face. Yeah. <laughs> he's over 300 stitches in his face. 300. Wow. Yeah. Well, and he's... Well, the ears are still good. <laughs> At least he doesn't have the cauliflower. He's got a little, <laughs> little cauliflower a little in his bit. left one. He's been hit there as yeah, well. Yeah, from shots. Yeah, not really from grappling. Yeah. He fought one MMA fight, but you know he's just never really trained grappling. It's not really his thing. Yeah. you know. But yeah. fucking as Muay Thai goes. I trained with him. I got a chance to work out with him yeah. and, and learn some techniques from him. Everything he throws is with power. Yeah, The way he throws I a like jab. It. He pulls the right hand back as he throws the jab. Like, he doesn't just jab like a boxer would throw a jab. The way he jabs, he's, like, pulling back the right and stepping forward. He's like, ah! Yeah. Ah, yeah. 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 Everything he throws is designed to kill you. Yes, that's,
1: but that's been my, my thing also. I yeah. like it like that. Everything you throw, make them... Uh, when you said in the beginning, I kick somebody and you see their faces, no. and I, I don't care if they block it. I yeah. just kick as hard as I can on yeah. the defense, just to get inside their heads that they know that you better block this kick. Yeah, because next time if you're not blocking it, you're gonna have it's it's gonna be a problem, you know. And then you start breaking your opponent down mentally. Hit him, or oh, they hold the hands up high. Just hit as hard as you can on the hands. Yeah, a lot of guys don't do that. They truly believe that this is enough defense for like a, a right hook. It's yeah. not. It's like me putting on a helmet. I say this in um, in um, seminars at seminars. Say, so, okay, imagine I would tape a focus mitt to my face and you can give me a straight punch or a hook you think i go down and everybody goes yeah of course you're gonna go down i say so why is everybody doing this yeah you make yourself one with your head i'm just gonna hit your hand as hard as i can you will still go down yeah you know but what happens in the mind of a fighter as soon as i hit you and i see your hand going up automatically i let my power off because it's like oh it's it's defended. Right. But if you just don't care or close line him, like I yeah. said in the beginning, it'll go straight through.
0: Yeah, well, you started throwing kicks in the Pancrase days. I remember, you know, because I came from a kicking background. There was not that many good kickers in MMA. Before Maurice Smith fought Conan, we really didn't see that many head kick KOs in MMA. Yep. And especially against a black belt. When Maurice fought Conan Silviera, it mean, was the first time. That was in... um um <laughs> No, it was in that other one. It was in the John Pretty organization, wasn't it? Like John, oh, Battlecade, uh, Battlecade, Extreme uh, Fighting. Yeah, Extreme Fighting. Uh, yeah, and that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, now we're finally seeing a guy who can throw some kicks in MMA. Yeah. But the first time really was you and Pancrase because you would, and, and they make you wear those crazy boots. Yeah. You had like wrestling shoes on with a big boot shin shin, shin and instep slash thing. Yeah. Yeah, but you still would slam that kick into their arms, and just you'd see like. Nobody wants a whole pads for a guy like that. No, forget but, about like getting it on your raw arm.
1: But that, you know, it's a, it's a great way to go into a fight because you know you can, you're capable of doing that. Yeah. So you only have to connect, you know, and if you know that you only have to connect, just wait. And connect and I also I'm not the guy who likes to get hit. You know, I don't mind But I'm I rather not so I just use movement right, you know And then uh, and then just explode at moments that you need to explode
0: how many fighters are you training right now Do you train <clears throat> any active guys?
1: No you I, I train a few guys at my gym uh, But I've been traveling a lot now So uh, the coaches that I have at my gym are training them, but we got uh, only three uh, three pros and then a bunch of uh, amateur guys. So
0: standing. you're so. still you're still doing inside MMA w- with uh, Ken Kenny. Yep. And um, you do World Series of Fighting still.
1: World Series of Fighting, actually this weekend coming up on uh, what is it Saturday this Saturday on NBCSN. Really? Okay,
0: nice. Yeah, Morales is fighting again. He's very talented. I like his footwork too. That's a guy that people sleep on. Yep. Yeah. They don't really realize how talented that guy is. And it's unfortunate that World Series of Fighting is not getting as much uh, attention as it deserves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's a lot of MMA out there now. You know, it's very hard to pull eyeballs to it. But it's the same with Glory. Glory doesn't have the eyeballs, which blows me away because if there's something exciting
0: you know it's glory it's a glory event and that justin gagey kid too oh Woo! what an animal eh? fucking savage yeah he's uh, he's fun that guy's he's fun fun to watch i you know f-
1: he should tone a little down, i always say. But you know, maybe it's his fight style and he just wants to go. Because sometimes he gets hit hard. And I think eventually, we have to have a Clay Gita also, you know, like fighters. Eventually, it's going to break. Uh, yeah, yeah, something's going to give.
0: Yeah, you can only get hit hard and just walk through things so much until eventually your body doesn't cooperate anymore. And then, most of the time, once that happens,
1: it's going to happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now in <laughs> MMA. Um, the big one to me, the one that I'm most excited about is March 5th. Conor McGregor versus Dos Anjos. Mm-hmm. That is a fucking crazy fight. First yep. of all, who the hell has ever been like Conor? Yep. Well, I mean, the best shit talker of all time. Hilarious.
1: I'm 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 in love with the guy. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I love him. I love everything about him. We had him on the show. He's funny, he's, you know, everything he does, every speech he does it's different. Yeah. It's not like he's repeating everything I do. Like if no. I do an interview before and it's about let's say a movie, you know you you say the same thing over and over again. But he doesn't. No. You know? And he doesn't really use profanity as well, so it keeps it
0: clean but very uh, imposing, Very hot. yeah. You can uh, use it on television. Oh,
1: so great, you know. And the, how about when he the, wore the El Chapo shirt? Oh, <laughs> how crazy is he? Who does that? But you see, but he makes gets in everybody's head. <laughs> yeah. that's why he he, he beat uh, Aldo. You could mm-hmm. tell. You could simply tell. Yeah. Everybody could say, oh, no, I'm, I'm used to that. I grew up on the street. Or, or Rafael Dos Anjos says that also. I say, eventually, it's going to come through. Yeah. You know, you got to start doing something back. You know, there's a few fun things that you always can Dos do. Dos
0: Anjos is not engaging him. I like the way Dos Anjos is handling Uh-oh. it. He's just letting him talk, and he's like, when we fight, this will not matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just, like, yeah. solid and stoic. I think he's also learning the lesson of how Aldo sort of got rattled mm-hmm. by it, and he's not going to get rattled. I think Dos Anjos is a different guy. Dos Anjos is uh Look at this he's even doing the Chapo pose. <laughs> <laughs> the way Chapo is shaking hands with Sean Penn in that picture. Oh, he's man. so fucking crazy. I love him. God, that guy's fucking awesome. It's hilarious. And he can fucking fight. And he can
1: fight. He's got great reflexes.
0: I mean, his timing is really good. He's using his reach really well. And the way Faraz Zahabi described his left hands Faraz Zahabi, by the way, did an amazing breakdown. If you're listening to this, go to YouTube. Faraz Zahabi, who, in my mind, is one of the true great masters of he's MMA really training. Good, yep. He does an amazing breakdown of this fight. But the way he describes Con- Connor, he's like he's got the touch of death yep. in that left hand. And it's true he just lights guys up with that left hand but
1: plus it's laser guided you know it's it's on target it's mm-hmm. not just he
0: just doesn't hit the head you exactly. don't he hit your jaw yeah he's yeah. so great timing so accurate yeah. and so and so beautiful with his footwork the way he slid out of the way of all those advance and just dropped that left hand in
1: just but you know RDA different is a This guy, you know, in the beginning, I go, he's always under the radar, right? Mm -hmm. And suddenly, he's boom, he's there, and he's just beating everybody. I mean, Cerrone, Mm -hmm. I never
0: expected that. He's a monster. Yeah, he really is. Well, a lot of what's going on, too, is his conditioning is off the charts. Mm -hmm. He's working with Nick Kurson, who's one of the, uh, the disciples of Marv Marinovich, and they've got him doing these crazy, explosive plyometric drills and all these footwork drills. And if you've ever seen his training routine, you're realizing they got a fucking oxygen mask on him and he's throwing body shots on the bag. It's all this incredible, brutal breakdown for for strength and conditioning so that he could really go five rounds like that.
1: There's no such thing as having enough stamina. That's what I always tell everybody. Yeah. There's no such thing. Yeah, you got to go all the way. That's why I trained so hard because I don't want to have that. I had the experience in Thai boxing one time when I ran out of gas. It's not fun. And especially, in you know, longer rounds and with an opponent seeing, you know, or he mm-hmm. goes, is he
0: getting tired? Now yeah. they get wings. You know, they turn it on and you're in a bad spot there. Yeah, so. It's the worst thing in the world to see an opponent notice that you're tired and he's not and mm-hmm. he's coming after you and he starts dropping low kicks on you and punching you in the face. And, and you can't do anything. Your body's not cooperating. And know? it, it gets worse because then your breathing starts
1: going wrong. The breathing pattern's not relaxed anymore. You have to start flexing because mm-hmm.
0: the, the punches are coming. It'll take your stamina even more away. Everything stamina goes down is a weapon. Stamina is a weapon. Oh, yeah. It really is. I mean, look at Nick Diaz, who is a guy who fought so many guys and outworked them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Frank Shamrock fight is a perfect example of that fight. He he just kept popping them with punches, like 50% punches, but he's hitting them and he can't breathe. Yep. Because when, when a, a person is punching you, even if they're punching you and it's not full blast, you're still tightening up. Y- yep. So you don't get a chance to breathe. And Nick Diaz just doesn't get tired. Yep. He does ultra marathons. The fucking guy swam from Alcatraz twice. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's in incredible shape. He's done triathlons. I don't know if he's done ultra marathons. Should probably take that back. But swimming from... From Alcatraz is a fucking crazy yep, endeavor it's a current era, he's right? done it twice well Pettis for instance
1: I thought he was never gonna lose and and the only times he was losing was against guys with great stamina you know mm-hmm. Clay Guida and an RDA who just keep pushing the fight yeah you know and well, the um, grappling yeah
0: yeah I think physically Pettis is not strong enough for those guys <clears throat> guys like dos anjos that just put it to him, or Eddie Alvarez who just put it to him the physical like they turn it into one of those grueling wrestling matches yep I mean, I think his takedown defense is pretty good, and I think his grappling is not bad. I mean, he won the title with an arm bar against with armbar against Benson Henderson. Yeah. But I just think physically, when it comes to these grueling exchanges, I just don't know if he's physically strong enough to fight that kind of fight with Lega dos Santos, yep, or even Eddie Alvarez in that, in that fight.
1: Yeah, well, footwork again. they gonna. He needs. He's gonna yeah. need a lot of footwork. Like a Marias. he stops takedowns but Well, he doesn't even stop them. Just moves out the way. Moves out of the way and <laughs> yeah. lights guys up too. Yeah.
0: And his power, too, that's a big thing. And Pettis has a lot of power, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not counting Pettis out. Pettis could easily come back and, and win the title again. I mean, he's a monster. Yep. But
1: uh, I, I never expected him to lose. I, I thought because he's this complete package. Yeah. he we see a great striker with great submissions, take down the fence. I go, okay, this is the guy. Put him on the Weedy Box.
0: He yeah. put away Cerrone even better and mm-hmm. more impressive than Dos Anjos did. Yeah, that was the craziest thing. Yeah. Dos Anjos, uh, he hurt Cerrone and battered <laughs> him up against the cage. But I thought that the, the stoppage was so weird because he looked at the referee and he's telling the referee to stop the fight. And Dos Anjos has Cerrone. Cerrone's turtled up and he's still covering up. I don't know when a fight should be stopped in that situation. When a, guy's, a guy gets hurt to the body, he's obviously hurt, but Dos Anjos is hitting him and Cowboy's covering up. Mm-hmm. Like When do you stop a fight? Like if a guy's covering up and you're hitting his arms when he's stop, like he's trying to get back up to his feet. Like when does a fight get stopped? When is it okay? Because some referees wouldn't have stopped the fight.
1: Yep. Like no, you're-, you're right.
0: Here's a perfect example, right? Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold. Mm-hmm. When Luke Rockhold got on top of Chris Weidman at the end of the round, was beating the fuck out of him. I was saying they should stop that fight. Yep. I'm like he's not defending himself. Yep. But I like that's not the same as like the the cowboy Cerrone, Dos Anjos fight. I'm like, man, that was a little bit of a more controversial stop. Yeah, because it's still
1: under the defense. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, they
1: shouldn't they shouldn't stop. Only once. What start else coming is he going to do
0: if he doesn't doesn't cover up? He's going to get hit with a punch. Yep. So he's got to cover up. And when you're covering up, and the guy's boom, 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 there's not a lot you can do. Yeah. Because you got to put your hand down to get up, and if you put your hand down to get up, you're going to get tagged. Yep. So it's it's kind of it's it's almost like a guy can have a fight stopped without you being in real trouble although cowboy was certainly in trouble yep. but it's it's a weird little kind of a it's, up to, it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's up to the referee to decide. It's, it's a so very subjective. hard decision.
1: That's why I don't want to be a referee. It's a very hard it's a decision job. to make.
0: It really is. It's never good. Yeah. You're never correct. But you're there
1: for the safety of the fighters. If they don't, you know, they're on the ground. They don't defend them. I say stop right away. If they really, because they don't, that's why they're doing it. Right. I mean, you you know how, uh, like a big John, he tells me, and, and I, I've seen him doing it against the fighters in the dressing room. He'll tell them, do not come to me after the fight. That if you lay on the ground and the guy hits you and you're just bugging I will stop the fight. And he says it two or three times. Do not come to me after the fight and complain about it because you know right now, improve your position. And sometimes you... You don't see that. Um, also, with, for instance, uh, guillotine attempts, or, or uh, y- you see guys who defend the guillotine, like a standing still. And I go, don't defend the guillotine, you know, D- go for position. Make sure that you get close. You hold ahead. make sure he doesn't jump guard. Because as sh- if you defend, well, look at Pat Miletic against Hanzo Gracie in the mm-hmm. IFL. was if defending the choke, and yeah, he's, he jumps guard. Now mm-hmm. he's got him. Right. Uh, Ronda Rousey uh, against Carmouche, You know, she's got that crazy crank on her on head. And instead of defending, what well, people say, oh, defend, defend. No, no, she didn't. She's in the position. She yeah. grabbed the foot, feet, unlocked the feet, and she got out. She took a chance. That, she took a chance. And that's what yeah. people should do. On the ground also, they said to me, yeah, but... W- if they hit you, I say, escape. Buck up. Move to this. If you buck up, they're going to have to look for balance. Mm. Make sure they never sit on your chest. Push him always to your belly. If you can't push him to your belly, you hold the knees and you push yourself upwards. Same result. He's yeah. sitting on your belly. But you got to go. You got to move. How easy it is um, is it for you if, if somebody mounts you to go to put him in at least a half guard? Well, you got to. It's train real that. easy, right?
0: I think a lot of guys don't train off their back that it's much It's the craziest thing. Yeah. It drives
1: me nuts. Get him in the guard, man. Mm-hmm. Why? Mount position is shouldn't even be happening right. go to the side mount position when they can stop you is only when they put they stretch you out they hook their feet yeah. you
0: know but then there's not a lot he- they can do because you just stop their arms well it's interesting when you see the different levels of, <laughs> of their game off their back like Brian Ortega hmm. have you been watching that guy fight no. Jesus fucking Christ his triangles are good his guard game is so good and he's one of those guys, he's like a gold standard for how to fight off your back. Yep. When they get him on his back, he is just attacking, attacking. Yep. Like you, you're not going to get him stagnant where he's just lying there waiting for the referee to stand him back up. That's it. And when you've got that kind of a ground game off your back, it's a totally new dimension for your opponents. They're used to taking a guy down and maybe throwing some body punches. With him, you're fucking defending. Defending the whole Legs time. Legs are up on your neck and you got to try to posture up and yep. get out of there that's the gold standard and that's what everybody should aspire to to have that kind of a dangerous ground game
1: yeah that's why I thought um, um, for instance um, Johnny Hendricks versus um, Wonderboy Ju- no no no, no. Uh, oh my god how can I forget him it's one of Carlos Condit uh, the National Bull I was gonna say yeah I mean I thought uh, Condit won that because he's constantly attacking on the ground, mm. you know? And if somebody's on top of you and he hits you once every what time, that shouldn't yeah. count. If the strike on the feet, if it... If it goes to a decision and nobody gets really hurt, but the guy who's constantly attacking is going to win the fight, right? Right. Okay, why, so why doesn't that count on
0: the ground? Yeah, I right? agree. Just because the guy's on top doesn't mean he's winning. That's, no. How about the fact that that's how you won the title versus Kevin Randall? Oh, there's, yeah. That, that took was you with down. Striking. That yes. was not even with submission attempts, Exactly. But like, man, there was... Well, but that was, took you down and you just kept attacking from your back.
1: Yeah, that, that's what McCarthy said later. I didn't put him back on the feet because Boss was working from his back. That was the reason they didn't put us back on the feet but you know if you have a guy guys like Carlos or what you saw a lot at Pride also great groundwork and they're constantly attacking and then they get rewarded for that after the fight they actually win the fight and it should be because people go yeah but the defense is also no no it's not about the defense same as the strike it's not about that you know it's about the guy who takes the chances because we all know if you have somebody in the guard you go for an bar. there's a high possibility he's going to be in side mount now that's the worst position for you so you're taking risks and if you're willing to take those risks they should be Rewarded. Well, I also like pride. I like that ten-minute first round. That was good, eh? It makes it makes it more strategical. Yeah, you really can't burn out in the beginning. That was the thing with Pancras in the beginning, but thirty-minute fights. That's why the R came on my hand, because that means rustig, which is relax because I was such a hothead in, in Thai boxing, like, somebody hits me, oh, dude, st- <laughs> <laughs> I just knock him out, you know? And I go, man, these Japanese guys are known to, for being tough. If this happens the first three minutes, I got 27 more minutes <laughs> to go. Ugh. You know, if I'm empty, yeah. that's not a good thing. So stay calm, stay calm. You start being more strategical. So pancreas, was there any rounds, or was it just t- no. 30, 30 minutes? F- at, at the end, <laughs> in, in, in the end, there were a few on the like the undercard were 10 minute fights, but most of the time was everything was 15 minutes and the title fights in the end was 30. In the beginning, the first one year round. and a half, it was 30 all minutes 30 one minutes. Round. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: yeah, that's a that's a real strategic <coughs> fight. I'm a fan of that though. I like that.
1: I like that too. But but you know, uh, and again, if you look at some UFC fights where they just lay lay yeah. lay, then you know, in the old days, remember, without the stand-ups, yeah, then it becomes kind of boring but that was one of the things when I moved to Pancras I always tell this story but when I saw my opponent he was 45 pounds heavier and I asked when the weigh-in was he says there's no weigh-in we everybody fights everybody I go oh that's great nice well, I was just bluffing of course and I go okay so how many rounds we got one round one round awesome how many minutes 30 I go oh, awesome awesome and I look at my manager <laughs> I do dude 30 minute
0: fight <laughs> 45 more pounds than me as opposed to a 3 minute kickboxing fight that's that's what I was thinking. Three minute round you know, for kickboxing. I, I came from yeah. kickboxing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that opened my eyes a little bit there and uh, you become more strategical that's a good thing well it's also good for grapplers when they work like say if you have a 5 minute fight or a 5 minute round and you work for 4 minutes and 30 seconds to get the fight to the ground you only have 30 seconds to try to secure a submission yep. Yep. whereas if you take a guy to the ground in a 10 minute fight and you're 4 minutes and 30 seconds now you have 5 minutes and 30 seconds to try to finish him yeah. which is a lot of time
1: yeah but you know there's, there's always the other side of the medal. you know you you can say uh, well they should have taken them down sooner yeah. or, or, or these guys they say yeah but I, I just need more work on the ground well just go faster
0: <laughs> this is the game you have to adapt and not the other way around yeah well you could definitely look at it that way what do you think about uh Fabrizio Verdum returning against Kane
1: I think it's uh it's going to be a great fight I I think again like for the okay we know that stamina played a big factor it's huge but um for Doom, man, he's only been on a on on an arrow that's going straight up mm-hmm. since since Pride. Yeah, I mean, always that fight that he lost against uh, Alistair really lose I think if you would count the punches and the kicks that Alistair get hit because I was afraid at the time because I was at Alistair's uh, he was a big friend of mine at the time and I go ooh because Verdum hit him more yeah, he connected more
0: only you know well Verdum uh, blew his knee out too in that fight yeah see so <laughs> and Verdoom's all... striking
1: now with Cordero he's there they're just better. working really well yeah. together same yeah. with RDA and yeah. everybody there they're doing just yeah, a phenomenal Rafael job yeah
0: Cordero is just what a great striking coach that guy is yeah. he's be- done an amazing job
1: yeah because he's a, he's a you can talk to the guy, they they barbecue together. They, you know, mm-hmm. he's there, in your best interest. That's yes. Dwayne Ludwig, mm-hmm. same guy. Uh, the late Sean Tompkins, all these guys there are all the way there. I remember stories with Sean. We would come home partying five six in the morning. He would go straight as if, if it was the day of the weigh-in, straight to the sauna with the guys putting him helping him focus mids if they want to lose right he never ever missed a beat you know and uh, like a Dwayne has it also a lot of trainers have that but it's a whole bunch of trainers you know as well as i do who don't have
0: that uh, yeah, well you gotta be completely obsessed to be a great trainer. I mean that's what makes Ludwig so good. He's completely obsessed. Yes. And that those the, I mean it's the same with a fighter, it's the same with anything. If you're yep. not completely obsessed, you're just not gonna reach your potential. That's it. You need
1: to like it also. I was talking about that yesterday. It's um you can have all the talent if you don't like it. You if you hear fighters, which blows my mind always when I hear Quentin for instance, he says, I hate training mm. and I go, Wow. I love training. I want to get tired, I want to try new stuff. I always loved it, till the end when I got my tendonitis and everything started hurting really, really bad. You know, then you can't even think straight anymore. That's when I stopped. But before that, I always loved it. And if you love something, you know, same in school when you were a kid. Yeah. You know, math. Well, I don't need math, but you were good at the things that you liked. Right. Your biology. Oh, I love biology. Boom, ace. You know, it's it's all the things that you like. You automatically do your best for it's simple.
0: Yeah, if you're a passionate person, if you're passionate about what you're pursuing, you're going to do better than a person who's just doing it as a job. And Quentin has so much talent. I Unreal mean, and unbelievable power. He's got a fantastic <laughs> chin. Yeah, right yeah. away,
1: Arona pops up, right? Always. Oh huh? my God.
0: Always. When you talk about Quint is the first. Oh. And he
1: arched even backwards. Yeah. He didn't go straight up. He actually went a little further, and
0: then. That was he slammed the him. most spectacular slam KO in the history of MMA. Yeah. Ricardo Arona had him locked up in a triangle, and Quinton slammed him into oblivion and headbutted him, too, on the way down. I mean, inadvertent headbutt. Yeah. But. Slammed him and then (laughs) ba-boom then his head slammed into him too. Oh my god. That was a horrific fight. Ricardo never never recovered from that fight well, he never um,
1: uh, Ricardo I read the cool story about Kevin Randleman he was talking uh, I read it on SureDog that he said he just fought Kevin and he won he says I was in the dressing room by myself in, in Japan there was nobody there and you know I was just taken in he said because I would just won the, the most important fight of my career and he said suddenly he sees a shadow and he thinks it was Randleman so he automatically he said at that time everybody was fighting it was before after it didn't really matter it was this fighting thing and Randleman Came in and he thought there was going to be a fight. And Redelman walked up to him. and He said, "Dude, great job, congratulations! You know, you're awesome." And he said, that blew me away. He said, it, it, it "Right away, I saw the monster as a different person." That's so hard now, also with Redelman. You you know him. Everybody who knows him is such a
0: good guy. Yeah, he was a great guy. He was a really friendly, happy-go-lucky <sighs> guy. It's so unfortunate, you know. I don't I don't know what happened with him and and. What happened with Sean Tompkins? How did Sean wind up dying? You
1: know, this was the saddest thing ever because when I went to the uh, funeral his um his uh, he was in the in the coffin I didn't want to see that. I I did that one time with a friend of mine and I didn't like that. So I said I don't want to do it and his mother it was so sad, man. It's uh she came to me crying and and she said I he was in he was home. And that weekend, she was gonna tell him that he had to go to the doctor, because in the family, it runs in the family that they have enlarged hearts, and he needs to, to check that out. And that was what, what was going down there. Wow. It was no drugs, no nothing, because people started, of course, the conspiracy th- theories, they didn't find anything, find anything. Wow. And the crazy thing was I talked the day before with Sean. It was so weird, because then you guys announced it on USC, and it was, I, I go, whoa, Sean, so I, start, I started Googling. But he, it was so weird. He texted me something, and I thought, for some reason, I thought, oh, he wants to talk to me. Because normally we would text. So I picked up the phone, and I called him. And he was going out with a Muscle Beach, one of our friends. We called him Muscle Beach. And he was, um, he, he Muscle Beach was drunk. And he says, I can't leave a man behind. I'm going to stay with him. You know, I'm going to make sure he's going to be okay. <laughs> Boom. And he kept going, boss, buzz. And the problem that I was reading about didn't even come up. We start talking about everything. It was a great, great time. He says, boss, I love you. You know that I really love you. And then finally, when we hang up, he starts texting, you know that I love you. Uh, Tom. The whole team Tompkins loves you. It was really weird. He never did that. And the next day he passed away, wow,
0: so it was almost like he felt that it was going to happen Wow, yeah that's crazy that's crazy, yeah, he was another guy that was really loved by the guys that he trained <clears throat> those relationships between trainers and and students trainers and fighters are so important, you know, and it's so hard for a fighter to find the right trainer, the right trainer that fits their personality, someone who's technical, you know someone who has also that emotional bond that's the thing the 100 percent commitment that's the thing
1: and it uh, being a fighter it's soul sounds cool and that's why a lot of guys don't make it because they only want to look cool you know you don't really fight for to fight like once they fight or start fighting for money you know uh, don't do that yeah. Then, then then it's going downhill. Yeah, but I need a paycheck. Then don't fight. Find find another job. Yeah, you need that hard. commitment. You need to be 100%. And that's the same with the trainers. You know, you can't be off for a little bit because this guy is going to go in the ring or in the cage. Yeah. And you have to make sure that he's, he's going to stay safe.
0: Yeah. When you see a fighter that's only fighting for the paycheck, it's v- it very rarely works out. Mm-hmm. It just very rarely works. Not at a championship level. You know, I mean, it might it might be okay at a journeyman level. You might pull it off if you're tough and yep. you're you're skilled. But to beat the best guys, you have to be obsessed. Like, the best guys are obsessed.
1: Yeah, you want to be the best. Yeah. It's not about the payday. So I said, that will come if you are the best. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the payday will be better. But focus on getting good. And fighting for yourself, I always yeah. say. You know, don't put your family at number one spot. I understand you want to do that. But, you know, once you start, that means that you care, care, care. You, It's a very... How do you say it? It's, um, it's selfish. It, it should be selfish. You should be, I fight for me. I don't care. The way I explain it to my, my, my students, is when they, for instance, they, they're nervous. I say, okay, well, let's let's take a step back. Imagine your opponent now and you go in a room, they lock the room, and you guys going to compete against each other. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter who wins. When the door opens, you both of you are not going to say who won or lost. Nobody's going to say, "Do you really care if you lose at that moment?" And he goes like, "No, yeah, because no, yeah, because then, yeah, he's just a better fighter, right?" I said, "So why do you care?" And then they start realizing, "Ah, it's because the people." Mm. Oh, but he might think this, and he might think this and, right. this, and see, and that's why I always say, fight for yourself. If you lose, you give it your all, you are always a winner. It doesn't matter. You know what bad is? Not going all the way, not using all your potential, and then lose because you didn't do that. That's something that after a fight, you're going to say, oh, man, I could have gone harder. So why didn't you? You know, no. just leave it all out there. And if you leave it all out there, there's no excuses, and every other fighter will really enjoy you, winning or losing. How many fighters you have who who never became a champion, but I hear all the other fighters talking about them, say, oh, you fight him? Oh, dude, really? That guy's crazy. Yeah, you better prepare now because it's going to be a nightmare to fight that guy. You see, that's what I think is the most important. If your peers like it, the way you fight, you're good. You can't really lose.
0: Yeah, like a guy like Chuck Liddell, like where he, yep. he has that incredible fan base because he always fought with everything he had. Yep. And he, whether he lost by knockout or won by knockout, people still loved him.
1: That's it. Didn't yeah. lose a fan. I always use Chuck as an example. And that's, and that's what every and I tell my students, look yeah. at Chuck Liddell. I want you to be like that. Leave it out there. You know, I just want you to listen a little bit more because if I would get in Chuck's head, you know, as soon as Chuck hits somebody, that's the same with Benji Radek. They have voop, one vision and that's the knockout yeah. and they forget about the rest. Defense. Defense. And I yeah. say, as soon as you hit somebody, step back. You're going to have some time. Don't worry. But you just hit the head. Okay. What is he going to protect now? The head. Go for the body. Do a cross who cross to the body. Nobody does that, but right. do it as hard as you can. Cross through, cross, and then a left hook to the head. Ba, 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 boom. Suddenly, there's a left hook to the head. If you do the cross through, cross as hard as you can, you will force them to block it, which will open up for the left hook to the head. Mm. Same as with the body, body, head. You know, body, body, head. And they go, papa. Boom. boom! I said, yeah, it won't work like that. You see a Rico Verhoeven, who does his first mixed martial arts fight. Body. Boom. Body. Boom. And then the head. Yeah. Now, with the first two body shots, if this guy doesn't block him, he's going to get knocked out to the body. So now he respects your power. That's what Mike Tyson did. Spleen right uppercut. He hits you so hard in the spleen that the second time when he loads up, he thinks... He thinks it's going to be the same punch, but then he changes the angle to an uppercut, and his defense is here for the mm. spleen shot. If you do it powerful and, and hard, it will work. But if you do it body, body, head, body, body,
0: you know, it's yeah. not going to work. Make everything count. Yeah, a lot of guys are trying to conserve their energy. Yeah, but yeah.
1: I, I did after a workout, I would put the back on the ground, and I would 30 minutes just go. Punching on the back, on the ground, rolling in the guard, keeping hit. You don't get tired from that. Come on, guys. You don't really get tired. There's nothing there. You can... Just go. What is he going to do if he's on his back? He's going to hit you back. He's not going to hit you back. You got to watch out for submissions, but that's not going to get you in in, um, in in
0: trouble with your stamina. Just go. Just go. Do you think now, like looking back when you have these tendinitis and all these other issues, were you too tough for your body? Is that what it is? No. I, I What I think is that because I was so sick as a kid that they... they overflowed
1: me with cortisones i had so many cortisones there were moments i i was i believe it was like 46 pills a day i took you know all i had really bad skin disease asthma yes i was so i had a lot of stuff that i took for that and and the the tests they did on me i mean every week i had to go get 20 shots 10 shots in each, each arm and what they would do they would inject a little tiny bit of where you were allergic for and then the hopefully, it's like the flu vaccine, They hopefully the body finds a way to counterattack that. But every time when they do that, I'll be sick. And so I needed to recoup from that the whole time. And I think eventually the cortisones, because they're really bad for the bones and the tendons, I think the cortisones really got my tendonitis. That's oh, the reason. wow. Yeah.
0: You know, That's interesting. I never heard that before. I never heard of anybody having. Well, I never heard of anybody having that many shots as a kid, and then going on to be a world championship fighter. Yeah,
1: and uh, me neither. And the craziest thing is that um, when I was young, I did track and field, and I did it at a, at a, a pretty high level already. Because I wanted to be the next Bruce Jenner at the time. He was my hero. You know, I mean, that's how, how, how old I was. He was the guy, the decathlon guy. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I remember in the, in the end, every time with Javelin, I, had, I already had that tendonitis. Ah. I, and I started recognizing that. And I don't know why it stayed away my entire career and came back only at the end. It's got to be the gods of God telling me, okay, it's good. You, you become a fighter. You know, but um, for some reason at the end, it came
0: back. But I remember the pain from when I was 14 years old. Do you have a desire to train like championship-level fighters? Because I see like, you're talking about what guys don't do correctly and what you would like to see them do. Like, Do you have this desire to get involved with someone who's like really trying to make a run at a title?
1: No, you know, I, I, I enjoy things like, uh, for instance, uh, Rico Verhoeven came in last week. Love that guy. You know, yeah, because he's an athlete, uh, uh, not just a glory martial artist. Glory heavyweight champion. An athlete, glory heavyweight champion. Amazing
0: kickboxer. So
1: when he said he was going to do MMA, I sent him an email right away. I said, listen, Rico... Come to me, give me two hours of my uh, of my time, I'll, I'll show you things that are going to be very, very helpful for you. I'm not looking to be a coach because I don't have the time for that, I'm way too busy right. for that. But I can get you in two hours, I can get you a lot of information. Or like for instance, John Jones, a while back I was uh, interviewing him and then he said right away, I was in Albuquerque, what are you uh, going to do? Uh, after this, I said to my hotel, I said, man, do you want to train me? You see, those are guys who really want to learn. And right. then once you start learning and these guys listen, yeah, and then suddenly they start being more explosive with kicking and punching, they go like, dude, this is this is crazy. Yeah. You know, like sound effects, I do a lot. pop, High-pitched sound effects. If you see somebody, for instance, if you do the focus mitts or you hit a bag, you go, pom, 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 One, two, three, four, like that punch. And so if you just stop and you go, in your mind you go, dun, just do that. And then just by doing that, your body automatically will adapt and will get more explosive. And he realized that. And he goes, wow. And the next week or two weeks later, we had uh, Greg Jackson on the show. And Greg tells me, he says, man, what what, been you t- what have you been teaching? And I said, what do you mean? He says, everybody makes these crazy sound effects. <laughs> I said, do they hit faster and harder? And he goes, yeah. I said, so be it you know so it really works to get in people's heads yeah and and then if you have an athlete like a sub- uh, athlete like jones who will listen to you yeah
0: that's that's gold then but you if struggle. a guy like that came to you if a guy like that came to you and said listen boss i want you to train me would, yeah would, is that something you would be interested in doing
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard. It depends what you know the TV show, now the new podcast, all the the, the gym. I mean, there's so much stuff the World Series of Fighting that I suddenly cannot do because then we got to have the 100% commitment. Right. You know, I like a lot because I'm a very basic guy. Everything is base, ba- the basics with me because everybody forgets the basics. So most of the time when, when somebody comes out, like uh, Tim Sylvia, a while ago he came to my gym and he threw the left hook wrong and I, 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 I tell him, I said, man, this can be way harder. And he started learning to throw the hook without loading up and he won his fight in 15 seconds with the left hook. He goes, Dude, this is crazy. It works. That I enjoy to give him an hour time and show them what they do wrong. And then, if they actually listen to it, they realize, "Why? Well, wait a minute! I got more power. You know, I don't try to change the style. I just show them how you get maximum power. And if you mix that up between your styles, that's up to you."
0: But I see you have this incredible passion about this. Oh yeah, about I love it. Guys, and about working on technique. Yeah, that's why I'm. am curious. Like, have you ever thought about like just going into training?
1: Yeah, it's it's just um, too busy. Too busy, but also. Um, I don't now anymore, but, you know, a lot of guys that you do over the years, you put a lot, you invest a lot of time in. And it doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out, or they get a better deal somewhere else, and right. they just leave you. And you see this yeah. with a lot of fighters, you know, and trainers. And finally, the trainer has something, or a manager, and then they just kick him to the side because, hey, I'm going to save 10% here, or I'm going to do it. You know, then... But but then again, those guys, most of the time, you see them losing, yeah. you know, because you broke the winning combination. Mm. If you have something, my stretching routine, and everybody always says, please post it because you always talk about this. My stretching routine is the same as it was when, uh, when I started in 93. Well, well, that's probably even before my karate. And they say, you never change that. I say, no, I never change that. Why wouldn't you do more? Except because with that stretching routine, I never had a problem. Why would I st- change it? It never gave me a problem in training. Right. You see, so now if I start adding things or subtracting things, and suddenly I get injured, it's just my own fault. I had a winning combination, never, always helped me.
0: Let's not break that. Let's keep it the same. And that's with everything. Yeah, it's just, I know that you have your gym in Thousand Oaks. Yep. You know what, What's it called? The Westlake Village, uh, Boss Elite MMA. And you, it's mostly uh, recreational people, is that what it is?
1: That's it, <clears throat> yeah, Tuesdays, Thursdays, I'm there at six o'clock.
0: You know? What kind of class do you teach up there?
1: Um, I, I, Tuesdays is, is mostly striking, uh, only striking, and Thursdays I start with ground, but only like for twenty minutes because people want to work out. Right. You know, like the fighter. If I do fight classes with the fighters, yeah, we do a lot of ground escapes and reversals. I always start like that. That's how I trained. I never started on my knees with grappling. I always lay on my back, and I tell my partner, "You can take any position you want."
0: That's so Go. important. It's so important. It's the most important Put thing for a striker. Put yourself in a bad spot. Yep. Put yourself in a bad spot and figure out how to be comfortable in those bad spots and work out of them all the time. That's it. You know, and with
1: basics, I had an, a student one time coming over to me and after class, and he said, Bosh, you know what's funny? I said, tell me. He says, I've been working here now for three years, and you're teaching the same stuff. I say, yeah, that is funny. I say, you want to hear something more funny? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I say, you're still not doing it. <laughs> and the reason I'm doing this is because of people like you. Because you guys don't listen. That's funny. Look around. Yeah, they don't. They don't do it. Everybody they forget the basics. They all want to do mm. the spinning backies to the head right. and the back fists and the crazy elbows and doing that. Forget about basic stuff. A simple one-two. How many times in boxing you see a knockout? Mm-hmm. Highest level on the planet.
0: Yeah, A one-two will Ba-bang. do the trick. It's yeah. just... A, the timing and when you throw it the timing the efficiency of the technique and having it down where you own it yep that's it yeah so you're enjoying teaching you enjoy teaching a couple times a week you enjoy yeah, doing yeah that. that's why I'm doing it and yep. your, your striking class are guys sparring in there or are they nope. mostly just uh, nope. working on technique and it's all technique
1: and my classes you go like you see girls that I have in my class when I saw the double left double right I can tell them any combination and people who are watching they go like whoa What is this? But they've been with me for a while, Mm -hmm. and they're very technical, you know, and they they do really well with the striking. Like yesterday, again, they they were laughing about it. These two girls always work together. Laura and Dana, they're really good. They're probably going to listen to this also. But I said, listen everybody throws a low kick at the end for instance a combination with the low kick but once you do that in a class the low kick they have their hands always down so i let them do it to me that combination and then just before they make the low kick i stretch my hand in front of the face <laughs> and i say i want everybody to do this because i just walked around i said and there's only three people from the like the 22 or 24 people there are were are doing it you know just keep your hands up just make sure, you don't have to hit him just make him be aware that i could be a punch you right. know keep your hands up and uh, i walked over and they said were we one of the three i said you know you were one of the three (laughs) because you guys are always doing it you see it's just a habit make a good habit and don't lose the habit but unfortunately a lot
0: of guys Lose it. Now, what is this podcast you're doing with Morrow? I mean, that was one of the reasons why you guys wanted to come in here together. And like I said, unfortunately, Morrow got sick. But yep. you guys are doing a podcast together.
1: We're doing a podcast, the R- Ruten and Ronello. It's called Ruten and Ronello, and uh, it's on iTunes, SoundCloud. It's everywhere. We, uh, it's a, it's a really fun. People have no clue who Morrow really is. You yeah. know, they start now because that Pig Piece on Sherlock, You know, he's bipolar. You know, and he got he goes up and down. But the guy is is a genius. Like there's no prompters, no nothing. He just shoots like Kenny Rice in for instance. Same same you know, they have a brain. You can ask him about a horse in the uh, nineteen freaking eighty nine and he will know in the name of this and that. And that's it with Mauro. And um, and I told you the story before here with the pro wrestling, the gig that he now has, yes. and, and the people are raving about him everywhere. Yeah. All even the pro wrestlers say dude, you're the best guy I ever had. And I told Access TV when once they hire Mauro and George Burnett to do the pro wrestling New Japan pro wrestling on Access TV uh, I told him I said you watch Mauro is going to work for the WWE after they hear him doing this he's going to get a
0: job mark my words well he's doing and everything now he's, he's not just doing that he's doing showtime boxing he did a bunch of glory fights oh this is your, uh, your this is our landing Lace. page beautiful yeah, yeah. Root and, Rinaldo. Root and, and how Rinaldo. many episodes have you guys done so far well, seven tomorrow
1: The the Tomorrow's the 7th, and tomorrow is dedicated to Kevin. Kevin Rennelman, Ah, we're going to have his wife on, uh, Mark Coleman on, and uh, we're going to talk about his life and all the funny things. I mean, I got such crazy stories with Kevin. I mean, I went to his wedding with my whole family, and uh, it was so my family destroyed. I mean, they want to go with us to the funeral. Everything was... uh, uh, you know, it, it was so sad. The next day after the wedding, we we were all at the pool, people laying there, a little hungover, you know. And then suddenly there was a, w- a water vo- a volleyball net, and somebody started to play volley, and and you know all these competitive guys there. <laughs> suddenly there's big teams uh-huh. on each side with the kids, uh, you know, awesome. and we're going to town, and everybody's waterfalling. Uh-huh. It was such a good time, we had such a great time. And then you know, things like uh, a thing like this happens.
0: It's uh yeah. it's really upsetting. It is yep, it is he was he truly was a great guy, I mean, all my interactions with him were he's always laughing and smiling and hugging people, and yeah, I remember I ran into Kevin once, uh, we were at the fights. it was a smaller organization there was f- f- fight there was some fights going on in Vegas, and Kevin and I ran into each other at the concession stand. And uh, he gives me this big hug. What's up, man? How yeah. you doing, man? And then other people are coming over, and it's just fans. Fans coming over. Hey, what's up, Kevin? He's like, how you doing, man? Yeah. So, hugging everybody and smiling. I'm like, what a fucking
1: jovial guy. You know, the first time I fought him, right? We, we, we fought and only met one time, the fight before when he beat Maury Smith for to make the picture in the cage, mm-hmm. that became the poster later. That was the only time I met him. So now I'm in the hotel and I think it's before the weigh-ins and I'm waiting for the elevator, I'm by myself. The elevator door opens and there is, he is and he doesn't go out, he needs to be in there. So I get in and the elevator closed. Now we're with the two of us in the elevator and I'm looking but I can't see his face you know, in the mirror reflection there and he already has a smirk on his face and I'm smirking and I look at him and I go, you know, uh, good luck tomorrow. <laughs> and he goes, thank you. He says, you too. And I go, yeah, thank you. And then we look, and he says, if you keep your feet on the floor, I promise you I won't take you down. And I go, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: You know, so <laughs> the, door, the door opens, and he gets out. <laughs> no, I don't know this crazy guy, so I know. If you keep your feet on the floor, it, so no kicks? No kicks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's, you, a crazy,
0: that's a crazy deal. Yeah, right? What a strange deal. And
1: so... Um, so in the fight, the fight starts, and you'll see in the fight, once it starts, the first thing he does, he slaps his thigh. Like, kick me. Right. So now I'm confused. <laughs> so I go, oh, wait, he's going to think I gave him a low kick. So right. I'm going to act like I gave him a low kick, but I gave him a front kick to the face. So if he t- will wants to time it to take me down, right. I'm gonna going to get him square in the face. You know? right. So boop. I, I make a front kick, and it goes just in front of it and he's backing up I just miss him with the front kick to the face and I see something in his eyes and I I, till this day I couldn't or till this day till a while after I couldn't figure what it was but in his mighty of course thought I thought we said we're not gonna kick you know but he did that slapping thing on his thigh so it threw me off i thought like oh now he wants me to kick him okay so i guess that whole thing was not real let's start kicking you know but he got me because i kicked he took me down (laughs) (laughs) and then uh only that front kick it missed he backed up i go it would have been fun well there's always gamesmanship you know yeah it's definitely a lot of that Oh, I was talking to him the whole time, Big John wrote it in his book, because I was literally, people were booing because laying on the ground, I say, listen, man, I think that the fans would like it much better if we stand back up, trying to negotiate with him to to go back on the feet, you know? And he
0: goes, nah, (laughs) let's stay here.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah,
0: he's a good guy. Yeah, he was a great guy. Yep. He was a great guy. It's a, you know, you guys were a part of the early days of MMA. I mean, you are one of the original pioneers of this sport, without a doubt. I mean, your fight with Tiyoshi Kosaka, for the longest time I had that poster... There was a poster for the your announcing your fight with Teosha Kosaka that said the world's greatest yeah. martial artist, Boss Rutten. That's how they uh, announced you. I mean, they were they were building you up because you were like one of the first really elite strikers to fight in MMA. <coughs> you know?
1: Yeah. They always, they always said. I said. I said they messed up right there on that poster. They forgot the world. Looking, the world's greatest <laughs> looking martial artist.
0: I I told them that, but they forgot that word. El guapo. Yeah, it
1: was a good time. But, oh, um, man. Yeah. I mean,
0: when you look back on it, I mean, it's got to be pretty amazing. The time that you came along, I mean, from becoming the king of Pancrase, from entering into the UFC and being the UFC heavyweight champion, like what, what number was that, UFC?
1: 18 and 20. 20, wow. I became the champ. Wow. Yeah. yeah, almost at two hundred now. That's incredible. It's crazy. You know that that why it was such a, a great honor the the Hall of Fame when they said the, also the the Pioneer section yeah. because the Pioneer section is a section that will only grow so far. Yeah, it will not be so right. even in two thousand years from now if this keeps going and it becomes whatever it becomes a new Olympics, but it doesn't matter.
0: We were always the ones that started it. Yeah. You know, and that's a cool thing. It yeah. is a cool thing. I mean, it's it's crazy also that this is the oldest sport in the world, really, fighting. It is. It's the oldest form of competition, but it's also the newest sport. Because there's no sport from 1993, which is when the, the UFC first started, there's no sport from then that has exploded. A new sport that came along in 1993 that's exploded, and now in 2016, I mean, you have Ronda Rousey who's on the Ellen show that we talked about today. The Conor McGregor-Dos Anjos fight is probably going to get close to 2 million pay-per-view yep. guys. I mean, that's going to be fucking crazy. Yep. You're dealing with like, this sport that's exploding, yep. just exploding now. So it's, it's so strange. That this is uh, this combination of things—the oldest sport is also the newest sport—and you, from the time you started competing, you caught it like right at the beginning of the wave.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's really cool. It's um, it's an amazing feeling. M- m- many times fans ask. Wouldn't you want to be born like 20 years later? I say, No, I'm perfectly happy right now. Yeah. I mean, also the way I wrapped it up, I didn't lose in my last 22 fights. It's a great way to stop, yeah. you know, while I'm ahead. To, to I keep going, see if I can one more, win one more. You lose. You win one more, or oh, you lose. You know, like that's not a great way to wrap up a career. Yeah. You know, of course, injuries with me played a factor. You know, maybe I got the injuries because they say, Hey, it's been going really well. Maybe you've got to stop now, you know, because you're getting older and you're. Don't want to admit that you get older because you're still explosive and you still want to do it and you still train with guys. When I came back, I trained with the guys in Vegas and I go, dude, everybody looked at me they said, "Then you have a second career. This is the craziest thing. I said, yeah, this is crazy, right? I'm feeling so good. You know, I couldn't do the warm-up. I couldn't do 20 minutes warm-up when I started because I didn't train for three and a half years and six weeks later, I'm, I'm not taking breaks anymore. I just go into the next opponents. I was, I, I even myself, I amazed. I go, man, this is great and then, all the injuries started coming back you know now I go okay now I got it my knees my tendonitis I tore a hamstring I go pull the rip put the rip out at uh, the place at um, um, Dan Henderson's place you know they took me down in the midair I reversed the takedown but with that I used so much upper body strength strength that I popped the rip out so now there was 12 days before the fight I couldn't punch anymore can't punch back the only thing I did was
0: the workout I have the audio workout in the air it was mm-hmm. the only thing I could do. Wow. Yeah. So, you know. But you got out of the sport with your faculties 100% intact. Yep. That is the ultimate goal of any fighter, to retire, and especially you, because you're now a commentator, you're also an analyst, I mean, you do a fantastic job of breaking down fights, I really enjoy you on Inside MMA, because you have such a knowledgeable perspective, but also you're very honest, you don't play politics, you're very honest about how you feel about a fight coming up, about where a guy fucked up, or where where a person's chances lie, and I think it's, it's, it's amazing what you've done, it really is amazing. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I mean you cool.
0: you're sharp as ever.
1: I you know I I'm uh, always trying not to get hit, you know. It didn't really work in my title fight against Kevin. <laughs> 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 because he beat the crap out of me for the first 4 minutes. But you know, but after that <laughs> it was okay. Uh, for the rest I don't think I ever got hit, you know.
0: I I I always try to, you know, slip and move well. Fighting intelligent is the most important aspect of fighting. To use your mind, to use your mind, and proper tactics and techniques. That's why I love Mighty Mouse. Yep. Mighty Mouse it's is pound in, for pound the best guy. That, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any competition. I, mean, I think John Jones is a, a phenomenal talent, yep. and he's an amazing fighter. But I think it's it's almost disrespectful to put him as pound for pound the best. When you look at some of the wars that he's had with Gustafson, I mean, the war that he had with Daniel Cormier was a great—I mean, Daniel, obviously, is a great fighter. <laughs> it was a really good fight, and, you know, John won the fight, of course, clearly, but you look at what Mighty Mouse is doing <laughs> to the competition. Uh, yeah. He doesn't even get hit. Dodson yeah. is a fucking freak. Yeah, I mean Dodson's a freak, and Dodson yep. just couldn't touch him.
1: Yeah, Dodson. always said in the beginning, it's like he's glued to the ground. Yeah, like he moves back, he never slips. He never yeah. just gets great footwork. But uh, man, DJ. Who Matt Yume did a really good job. There. Amazing. You know, that's uh, really uh, that's
0: yeah. It's a whole new level. Well, he's got so much going on. He's his mind. He's very smart. He's very dedicated. He's got a great control of his ego. He doesn't fight like a fool. He fights very very technical. His footwork is fantastic. His his choices that he makes in a fight. His unpredictable in, in his movements. He's just. I think he's the best ever.
1: I really do. He, he, he needs a guy to fight like a Conor McGregor, though, yes. because so he has a big payday one time. Yeah. Because yeah. Rafael dos Angeles is gonna make a lot of money this fight. Oh yeah. You know, if it's two million, if that's really gonna hit it, yeah. And and you watch, that will probably get up also. If he, if for some reason, McGregor wins this, which is gonna be a very hard fight for him, because I think uh, dos it's Angels, yeah, it's gonna be a very tough fight, because we saw with Mendez, yeah, well, we all, we all know the same thing, you know. If once it goes to the ground, But you still don't know. You don't know. In in, in that fight, he is so aware of where he is when he fought Mendes. And I'm talking about McGregor. He was just laying on the ground. Yeah. You know, he didn't well, even Mende- try to escape.
0: It was Mendes almost like he said, Oh, he's going to run out of gas. Mendez took that fight, though, in two weeks. No, That's what I mean. Just a different. But animal. if he could have
1: done that, but he knew that. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. He knew, Oh, I'm just going to carry it into the second round and I'm going to yeah. get him. You know, didn't even try. Yeah. So I, I think once against uh,
0: Rafael Dos Angeles, yeah, he's going to need this guy in the guard. That's one thing for sure. Well, it's a, di- it's a different animal. He'll be there every minute of every round, he'll be there for 25 minutes trying to kill you. Yeah. Dos Anjos is a fucking animal, man. He's yeah. an animal. He's a different animal totally different kind of a fight so I'm so curious as to how that's going to play out when you look at how obsessed Connor is with footwork and movement and being smooth and fast and laying point, like one of the things that he said when I was interviewing him after the fight he's like no power they see that no power just precision just precision, like yep. all those coming at him, he just drops that punch boom. in. I mean, he's not—he's eh, not grunting. He's not—he eh, just drops it in, and boom, takes but him out.
1: The, the thing is, I see him everywhere, so I hope he's not going to make the Rousey mistake. Because mm. I said it two weeks before. Yeah. I think what Rousey doing is not good. Market. She's at every talk show, every Rubies. magazine. I go to the supermarket, three magazine yeah. covers. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Stop doing that, yeah. you know. Fight first, fight first. That makes yeah. you big. Yeah. You know, once you lose that, all the other stuff that you're doing right now is going to go as well. Yes. Because they want that champion. Yes. You know, so McGregor, I hope that he keeps, stays focused and only, you know, picks the ones that he needs to do
0: contractually. And that's it. Yeah, I think he's going to be a lot smarter about it. I think Ronda just got overwhelmed with the amount of superstardom that came her way. Unprecedented yep. him. I mean, there's never been an athlete like that before. This female ass kicker who's on top of the world. Yep. I mean, she was a, a new thing, and because of that, there were so many temptations.
1: And and that's why, for her, it's also was also so hard when she lost. Yeah. she was such a high, you know, and then boom, there you have such a low. That well, this the other. Way. This is how your opponents could have felt, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that kind of stuff. You know, on one side, it's really good for her because now she understands that. Mm. Now she's going to go, oh, okay, now I tasted the other side. You're mm. going to make you a better person. And you yeah. start reminiscing about all the things Did I, you know, was I, oh, in that interview, I wasn't really, that wasn't really cool. Mm. You know, those things start backfiring once you start losing. It's with McGregor the same thing, although with him, there's always, it's a funny thing. Yeah. You know, with with Ronda, it's real. Yeah. Like like real real. But McGregor is it real. He t- t- the reason he's so unbelievably good is he in his mind, he truly believes there's no way he can lose. Yes. You know, and a guy to beat a guy like that, Mendes hit him hard. I mean, hard. And he didn't even flinch. Yeah. There was no zero,
0: no movement. Crazy. It was the craziest thing. We so. see how Mendez took out Ricardo Lopez. I mean oh. Ricardo Lamas rather. Yeah. Lamas. Yeah, I mean Mendez it's fucking hard. Yeah,
1: it's a hard area. But
0: Connor just eats it. Eats it on the tip of his jaw also. Yeah. It's not like just a- <laughs> No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. His jaw, his jaw is incredible. His mind is incredible. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by that fight. So yeah. fascinated. And he by says,
1: it. "When one of us goes to war, we all go to war." Yeah. That all the way back when he said that, remember in Boston was I believe yeah. right. Yeah. That was that's where he got me. Yeah. That's when right away. I said, "Okay, this guy." That's why we got to right worry on inside MMA. We wanted. And then the next time he was on inside MMA, he says, "Man, I got my monograms. Look in the, in my suit. How cool is that?" He was so happy <laughs> that he's got his name. And did you ever see the video? Oh, I did some homework on him because we were going to interview him. And I saw this video that he's in a hotel in in Dublin, I believe, and there's coconuts. Did you see that part? No. Okay, so he's talking into the camera. They're shooting this whatever, you know, they're following him around. And suddenly you hear his wife going, no way, right? And he goes, he's talking to the camera. He looks to the side and says, what? He said, no way. And he says, one second. So he walks over and she she comes with a coconut. And there's a hole in there and they put a little cork thing in there. So he goes... No way. You know, it's like they never saw a coconut, right? So they pull the thing out, they put the straw in, and they go, oh, no way. You know, it's, you think they did this for, because I have to fight a Brazilian guy, and that's why they put, they start reminiscing, and there's a knock on the door. So he opens the door, and he has the coconut in his hand. It's his trainer. And the trainer sees the coconut, he does, huh? And the trainer goes, no way. <laughs> Everybody does the same. It is so funny. And then you see him at the attic. He lives at the attic from his mom and dad with his wife on the attic, and he's putting a a suit on, and he's trying to figure out that thing in the pocket, you know, and he goes, I don't know how to do it, but you know, I I think in a few years from now I will, (laughs) you know, it's uh, this becomes second nature. And then you see him now, you know, how cool is that? You see him really
0: there, and now all the way up there. Good guy. Well, he's making so much money now. It's unprecedented. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Dana on the phone today and Dana was saying he's gonna be the first guy to make a hundred million dollars from that fight. Yeah, I heard that. Aldo made five million dollars from that last fight. Aldo did. Five million. Five million. And Aldo's going back to Brazil with that money, where it's worth probably like, who knows? Fifty and twenty. Yeah, Yeah. probably something like that. I mean, and and for a guy like Aldo, who loves Brazil and loves to be in Brazil, that money goes a long way in Brazil. Yeah. You know, and he can help a lot of people in Brazil with that money, too. Whereas, like, if you bring that money to America, I mean, five million dollars in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, you know, so house. You can get a con- decent house, and then it's gone. You yeah. know, I mean, but in Brazil, he can he can hold on to that money for a long time. Yeah. Well, who knows how much Connor's going to make in this Dos Anjos fight? And even if he loses, he still defends his featherweight title. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. But what if he fucking wins? If he fucking wins and then he goes up and fights Robbie Lawler at Welterweight, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Wonderboy. It's going to be insane. That's uh, Wonderboy has
1: Wonder the Boy. same kind of timing that he has. Wonderboy's different. He's I always special. say, I always talk about distance. As yeah. Yesterday in my class, I said again the most important thing in fighting is keep your nose pointed to your opponent because if you say eyes, they think looking away, this is eyes on your opponent. It's not. Keep your full vision and distance you yeah. know if you if you manage to stay just outside his reach and then you can counter it's gold, and that's what, you know, well, what Wonder Boy did also. What Wonder
0: Boy has that no one has is karate kicks. Yep. He's got that front leg side kick to the body, the front leg roundhouse kick to the face. When he was fucking Johnny Hendricks up with that, he front leg side kicked him to the body, and then front leg roundhouse kicked him to the face. You can see Hendricks was like, whoa. What is this? Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he kicks in a way that no one does. Yep. No one, like when he wheel kicked Ellenberger, Ellenberger was saying before that fight, those kicks are a waste of time. He's like, I think it's a waste of energy, all that spinning stuff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> will kick some. Not Twice. really. Twice yep. in the head.
1: Hope Solo is a big fan. Did you see that? No. Hope Solo made, made a video message for Wonderboy.
0: <laughs> Loves him. <laughs> How cool is He's that? He's amazing. Man. Yeah. His fight with Hendrix was his coming out moment, like where you really got to see him with all of his work that he's done with Weidman and his takedown defense and his wrestling. And the, you're seeing that kickboxing that we always knew he had with the 57 and 0 kickboxing yeah, that's record. That's a crazy thing. You're seeing it come together inside the octagon where all, all those other MMA skills have caught up with his kickboxing. And fuck, man, that guy's good.
1: Yeah, he's something.
0: I was so impressed with that fight with Hendricks. I was so impressed. Yeah, when I
1: mean, his father said it uh, before, his father was talking about the distance. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, oh, well, let's see. And then when I saw it, the footwork.
0: But he's like a snake. Yeah. He's like in and out and in Did he and out. wrestle? Did he, it has to be, no. right? I mean, how no, does well, he well, stop he's, those takedowns? downs? Well, first of all, he's done a lot of work with Weidman. Him and Weidman trained together a lot. And also, he's Carlos Machado's son-in-law.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I read so, that.
0: So, I mean, he's learning jiu-jitsu, I'm yep. sure. from. I mean, I don't know what belt he has under that, but Jesus Christ, that's a... That's, that's a, a high level. That's a beautiful thing to be connected to that uh, guy. How How... Uh,
1: did I hear <laughs> something that he was going to be, like, family of Weidman? Or so, what, what was the
0: connection there? Is, that, is he oh, going no. to live there now? Well, he trains with him a lot. I mean, okay. a big... Wait, Weidman, of course, is an elite wrestler. Yep. You know, NCAA, All-American. I mean, one of the best wrestlers right now in MMA. So, to have a guy like Whiteman. Training I knew that they do a lot of training sessions at Hofstra They go down there and do a lot of work with the wrestling team. But that's what he needed he needed to be able to confidently stay on his feet and not worry about executing the kicks because you see him earlier in his career He just didn't it doesn't wasn't loose. Yeah, wasn't loose the way he is in a kickboxing fight Did you ever see him in the World Combat League Chuck Norris's organization? Oh, my God. You see him in pure kickboxing. You see what a talent this kid is. Wow. Just incredible. Incredible. I'm going to watch it now. But it's so, so unusual because it's hands down and loose and in and out like a snake. Trying to find a guy who emulates those. I mean, Leona Machida is obviously got great karate skill, but... Wonderboy's on another level. It's like several levels past that. Mm -hmm. The combinations that guy throws. Like when he hit Hendrix, he's tagging him, and then as he's sliding out, he roundhouse kicks him in the body. And then he slides back in and hits him with another combination. And then he slides out and slides back in again. And Hendrix is just overwhelmed. We never saw anybody do that to Hendrix.
1: Yeah, I I think um, what's interesting to try with guys like that, I always said this with um, Machida also, and even with uh, Conor McGregor, and uh, when he fought Aldo, and, and and in this case now as well, because their stance is so karate-wide, right? But it's a karate without low kicks, they're mm. used to here in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm, I said to my buddies, I, I imagine that um, uh, uh, the, the camp from uh, Aldo said four months ago, listen, you're going to face McGregor. Eventually, this is going to happen. Let's switch you to Southpaw. So we can use your left low kicks mm-hmm. because the way they stand, it's going to be very hard for them to get away from low kicks on the outside. Right, right. Very. Inside is easy because what McGregor does, he lowers himself. And mm-hmm. once his knee goes in the same line as his butt, so to say, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have any space to land that inside low kick. Right. It's really weird if you angle it up, the angle is gone. Mm-hmm. But low kicks in that stand. The outside low kicks. Outside yeah. low
0: kicks. From the southpaw stance, yeah. from a
1: southpaw stance, powerful low kicks to that leg because if you stop the legs, mm-hmm. you're
0: going to stop everything. Well, Nicky Holzken and Raymond Daniels, because Raymond Daniels oh, is yep. a very similar style. Yep. Daniels, of course, was a karate champion, has unbelievable kicking talent. Yep. But Nicky Holzken stays glued to him and throws leg kicks. He just chops him down, chops him down, chops yep. him down, and then beats him up. And that's the same thing with Joseph Valtellini. Sa- did the same thing with with Raymond Daniels. Yep, chop him down with low kicks, chop him down with low kicks, and then he head kicked him and knocked him out.
1: Yeah, Valt- Gasolini is also something, yeah? Wow, yeah. But he's
0: he's another guy that he he had to relinquish his title because of concussions. And uh, he's going to do the podcast soon. We're talking about him him coming on the podcast because he wants to talk about, you know, some of the the situations he's gone through dealing with concussion syndrome. Wow. Yeah. And he's young. Yeah, yeah, it was just hard training, hard fights. Yeah, the Nicky Holtskin fight was hard. You know, he's had he's had some fucking wars. You know, you see in training, we never like I never get knocked out, thankfully. But
1: uh, but I get hit a few times, mm-hmm. but never, you know, not every workout for sure. Like once <sighs> every yeah. so many time. You know, because they have good sparring partners. Mm-hmm. It always happens when you go somewhere and then one of these, in a boxing club, and yep. suddenly a boxer jumps up, hey, want to go a few rounds. Yep, yep. And then it goes harder, 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 and then you're in a the fight. fight.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, that's one of the smart things that Conor <coughs> does. Conor keeps all of his, his training partners very close. You know, he's got all these, he's got Gunnar Nelson, he's got a bunch of different guys that he trains with on a regular basis, and he keeps those guys very close to him, and everybody's got a common goal. Everybody's trying to help everybody else. Everybody's trying to get themselves healthy so that, you know, they're, they're going to be stepping into that cage at 100%.
1: That's it. Winning combination. See, yeah. he doesn't break it. Winning combination. He takes everybody from uh, Ireland, but just come with me. Exactly. Very smart. Very smart. Yeah.
0: I got to get the fuck out of here, Boss Rootin. Alrighty You the best. I appreciate the fuck out of you. You're awesome. Anytime. <laughs> Same thing, brother. Open yeah. invitation.
1: I'll, uh, with, with Mauro, we're going to talk we'll about it again. some we'll crazy, it again. yeah, some crazy uh, pride stories people yeah. going to like Just
0: let it. him heal up or you know, get get over his illness and we'll reschedule it soon. I would love, right. love 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 to do that. And right. please check out Rutin and Renalo. It's available on SoundCloud, it's on iTunes as yes. well. Sh- it's iTunes. on everything. Yep. And of course, Inside MMA, it's on Access TV. Boss Rootin, El Guapo, whoop whoop. the great one. Got Beat party on. Thank you, sir. Thank you.